This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio is proudly sponsored by CompleteSigns.co.uk. Complete Signs are a producer of top quality internal and external signs for an ever-expanding portfolio of clients, including hotels, schools, local authorities and small businesses across the nation. Offering a wide range of creative solutions from flat metal nameplates to neon fascia signs and everything in between. Clients are offered the highest standards in consultation and sales support to ensure complete customer satisfaction. With clients free to choose solutions from a wide variety of materials including brass aluminium stainless steel wood and a number of plastics covering most of south england with virtual offices in croydon epsom hawley worcester park in surrey crowthorne in berkshire regent street west london docklands east london and crawley in brighton in sussex so if you're looking for the complete professional service for your sign needs then look no further than complete signs Head to their website, completesigns.co.uk, for further information, including contact details and full office addresses. Live commentary. Uh, ball back with companion in the centre of the field. I hope he plays a long breaking pass. He doesn't. <laughs> it's found Dobby. Oh, again, he's tried to... Have you got a word for those short passes? Well, I've got a word for that short pass, but um, <laughs> I better not say it. Live interviews. Yeah, I think that's where we'll be for, for the foreseeable future. You know, we're working on some interesting things there. And um, I think that redeveloping, redeveloping it bit by bit is probably going to be our best option. Expert analysis. Hello and welcome to a special Homestar Radio mini podcast. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm salivating for some reason. (laughs) 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 Well, most of the time anyway. Homestar Radio. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host tonight. We'll be reviewing a disappointing last uh, last gasp defeat in Newcastle. Joining me tonight are Ben Nagel, Alex White and Tony Pierce. Hello. 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 Hi. Um, my, my introduction really isn't up to standard tonight. <clears throat> anyway, in addition to reviewing that Newcastle game, we'll be speaking to co-chairman Steve Browett, comedian, actor and everything else, Doc Brown, Palace legend Clinton Morrison and Johnny Williams. A bit of a packed show and it's going to last two hours. 
Uh, but first up, we have News in Brief. See the stars of tomorrow, today. Crazy Pine looks a fantastic ball to battle. He's given it up I'm not so sure, that was a very close call. Live commentary from all home development games, only on Homestyle Radio. About Scarlet's Walk, can you see that, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> all the latest news from around Selhurst Park, this is News in Brief. And tonight's News in Brief. Two loan moves have been confirmed as Palace youngsters Connor Diamond and Quay Taylor go out. Mm, go out to gain more game time. Yeah, right. Midfielder Diamond has joined Barnet until the 26th of April, while defender Quay Taylor moves to <laughs> moves to Welling United until the same date. Listen to us tomorrow from 12:50, bringing you live commentary from Palace versus Charlton under 21s. Live at 12:50. Listening. As a mark of respect and remembrance for those who lost their lives as a result of the Hillsborough Stadium disaster in na- April 1989, all Premier League, Football League, Football Conference and FA Cup matches taking place on the weekend of the 11th to the 14th of April will kick off seven minutes later than originally scheduled. Palace fans have been urged to donate to Scarlet Wish to Walk campaign. Scarlet is eight years old, lives in America and has cerebral palsy. She has just been accepted to have a life-changing operation called Selective Dorsal Rhinostomy and the campaign, heavily backed by both Palace and Brighton fans, has already raised nearly £8,000. Their target is £65,000 and the address to donate is www.justgiving.com forward slash Scarlet's Wish to Walk. News in brief. Get involved with the show. Email radio at homestyle.net or call us on 0208 1234 Homestyle Radio. Voices for Palace Watch. Faces for Crime Watch. Hmm. Hello, welcome back. Um, so yeah, we've got an absolutely unbelievably packed show. And as a result... I have to say, I'm not massively organised for today, but let's see how it goes. Um, So first up, we will be talking about the Newcastle game. I think we'll be talking to... um, We'll be hearing from Doc Brown a little bit later on, probably about quarter to eight. Shortly after that, we'll be talking to Steve Browett, and then at uh, quarter to nine, Clinton Morrison, and then after that, Johnny Williams. It's... um, so it's a real treat for you. And this is what happens when essentially what you do is blanket send out a load of text and everyone suddenly becomes available. Um, so it's a little treat for you. Um, we haven't had a lot of interviews for a while. And we thought we'd get some and um, we kind of got them all. Uh, looking forward to it, lads. Very much so, yeah. Packed show, but it's uh, surely going to be one to remember. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, obviously, the... the Possibly the, the the worst part of the show is going to have to be having to revisit the the Newcastle game. I went up there my, myself, um, and uh, yeah, long old journey to, to to lose in the last minute. And well, you know, you can never really come away from that feeling anything other than gutted. But there's plenty to um, plenty to look at, and hopefully we'll try and draw on some positives from it if we can at all. And um, yeah, so I mean, the first place, the place we always start course is is the lineup and there was a few interesting uh things to consider we were talking obviously during the week in our special little mini podcast about the fact that people had started to say was it the right thing to pick glenn murray and um on this occasion tony pulis didn't pick him so ben um first of all yourself what uh what are your views on that um personally i wasn't happy to be honest um we've had this discussion <coughs> quite a few times on the show before about cameron jerome 
Um, Alex made the point a few weeks ago that he's, uh, you know, he, he just doesn't score, and I think that that's that's bang on, really. I mean, Glenn Murray, we know, <coughs> we know, does score, but the only issue with that is his match fitness. Really, he's uh, he was out for nine months, and you know, he's only just sort of coming back, getting starting to get back to to what he was before, but. You know, yeah, it's difficult when you've got Gale and, and Shamak out. Not that he would have started Gale anyway, but mm. Shamak especially when he, he's the the one that really has scored scored goals this season and is doing it for us. I thought Jerome personally did what did okay yesterday, better than I've seen him in the past. Um, saw a lot of the ball first half particularly, um, and sort of you know was holding it up well, doing okay. But we need a goal scorer because um, that is essentially the one major problem this season. Mm. You know, we can most of the time n- not concede. Um, but yeah, scoring the goals at the other end is, is really proven to be the problem. Yeah, it really is. And, and early doors, we saw a problem that we've been talking about, I think. When Jerome sort of got in down the channels a couple of times, and, and also so did Blassie and things like that, but there's it, too often it's Jerome is drift, drifted into a channel and there's no one in the box. I mean, you saw him break really early on in, on in the game and you could see him look up and I think the nearest player was on the halfway line. And so if, if you're playing at... Playing a player who can do that, who can get away, use his strength to get away from the defence and break away, then there's got to be someone to aim at. And we talked, Alex was talking midweek and, and saying that, you know, you've got to get support up there. And yet again, I mean, I think it was probably worse than ever that the support up there. Tony, you got any views on this? Yeah, I, I, as soon as I saw the lineup, I um, messaged on Facebook and said, you know, we might as well give them the three points and um, make our way back home for last orders because. You know, again, very negative lineup. In my opinion, I think Newcastle, mm. as I said um, last week and the week before, they they were there. You know, no manager in the stadium at all. You know, um, there was no uh, Remy playing, and they don't. Well, yesterday's the first time I think they've won without Remy in the team. Mm. And um, yeah, I think Jerome is proving again and again that he's he's not a lone striker. And you know, we potentially should have had. I mean, the moment when as soon as Murray came on, he made things happen. Uh, mm. We got a free kick and and a corner or two out of it as soon as you know within the first couple of minutes of him being on the pitch. So you um, thought we were better when we had Mario on the pitch than when we had Jerome on the pitch? Yeah. Oh, yeah that's the, I think. That's, mm. Cool. Go on, Alex. So we, um, I'll give you a chance to answer that now, and then Tony can come back. Well, you know me. I, I seem to do my love for Glenn Murray every single week, but I just mm. felt we lost that counter. That we just lost that counter-attacking threat that we actually posed. Yes, Cameron Drum never looked like scoring in a million years, but he did run the channels fantastically well, and it was calling for somebody to be in and around the box. So at that point, I would have looked to brought Murray on, but would have kept Jerome on at the same time. Mm. I'll let you answer him, Tony, since it was in your response to you, but I've, I've got a view on that myself. Yeah, no, I, I can see what you're saying with that one, but don't play Jerome on his own is my point. I think, we, we, I think Murray... <laughs> Murray can play on his own up front, or, but I, I think Jerome cannot play up front, as you said, because he runs the channels well and you need someone in the box. I mean, um, the, the one positive thing I saw yesterday was the fact that Bannon came on. I mean, he didn't play amazingly when he came on, but he's, he's been out of the team for, for a long time. And I, I've said it week in, week out, I think, I think Bannon should be playing behind the striker um, because he can get goals. We know he's got goals in them and he's creative as well. And then we've got the pace on the wings, and then I would drop Ledley back into defensive mid. Um, although I've got to say the defensive midfielders yesterday played very well, apart from KG's um, another through on goal and, and missed it again. Mm. Yeah, I know. Again, I, I, yeah, I don't want to sort of, sort of drift off the point, but you're right. You know, but but the, the point being, I, I found is Alex is exactly right when he says that playing the two together would have done it because. 
of the players that were in the in the forward areas, and and you, but I suppose you really you include in Punchin and Balassi in that. It was Jerome. It was Jerome who was the one who was creating and getting part getting round the defence. And you know, Balassi had had his moments in the game as he often does. But really, I actually think again we'll probably come to it later on. But I actually think Jerome was one of our stronger performers on the day. Um, and whilst he is, as Alex said, not really a goal threat, he he, he really really with with support he would have created something for someone else. And I and I think the problem we're having with scoring goals doesn't just rely doesn't just lie in create uh, in converting chances. Uh, Pulis often talks post game that you know that about we've got to take our chances when we get them. Well, you know statistically, hundred take trying to take a hundred percent of chances is always going to end you know more often than not in failure um, if you're creating one chance. And and what we did yesterday just simply wasn't wasn't good enough in my view and I, you know, I've got some really strong opinions on why that is and we'll get into it but uh, Tony you, you wanted to make a point on that Yeah I mean you were talking about the scoring goals we were, we were scoring although not that many but we were scoring goals is when Pulis first came in we had Bannon on the pitch we had Shamak up front although we haven't got Shamak at the moment mm. but Murray can play that similar sort of role maybe not with as much pace but we were scoring goals and now we've brought in some new players they are top quality players but I knew we, we were all very happy when they came in but you know, we, I don't understand why we can't go slightly back to what we were doing when Pulis first came in because we were winning games then mm. and we weren't just n- negating what the other team were doing. We were taking it to the other <coughs> team. I know we played with less fear, but at the moment, yeah. we're just trying to negate what the other team does and hope yeah. we can counter. Yeah, there we are. And, and to be honest with you, that is in, in effect what worked when Tony Pulis came in because he got us focused on the basics. It's this next step that we're struggling with and we play a system that is reliant on Marouane Chamac. You know, he, he he is the link the link player. And the thing with him, it's easy to miss it, but he very rarely, when he gets the ball at his feet, very rarely does he ever give that ball away. And and players like that are so, so important. And we, we really are missing him. But you've got to expect a, a Premier League team, which is what we are, to have more about them, to have more than the loss of one player completely destroying you, you as an attacking unit. Uh, ben, you wanted to make a point as well. Yeah, just a quick point on Shamak. You were saying how important he is to the team. I think mm. when he came in at the start of the season in summer, people uh, slated him, really, not just mm. Palace fans. I mean, Arsenal fans were saying, oh, I'm glad we got rid of him. There were teams saying, Marin Shamak, what's he going to do? He's still going down, etc. But, um, yeah, you know, his absence has really proved the point that, that he is vital to what we've been doing. He Even when he's not scoring goals, he does so much, you know, off the ball as well as on yeah. the ball. He, he holds it up. He He's... he's just been so vital to what we're doing, and, and yeah, the last couple of games have really showed how much we've missed him. We've simply got we've moved him though. Yeah, no, that's exactly the point. It, it, we created him that role, and he he abs- he's absolutely relished it. He's relished getting involved in tackling. He doesn't always do it the right, you know. Doesn't always do it well, but he gets back and he's hassling players and he's running and he just puts so much work in, and it just shows you what we've lost when he's come out. But someone's got to step up that's what football's about isn't it it's about when there's an op- it's an opportunity for someone to say you know okay Marion Tremax out but you know what it doesn't matter you've got me and no one has no one has really done that at all yet you know we, later on we'll be speaking to to to, a, to a lad in Johnny Williams who I would say would probably been have been ideal okay in a different type of play you can give him a ball in that situation. He could do a very, very similar job, in my view. But Will Bram hasn't had his chance yet. Will Bram <laughs> hasn't. That's very true. Yeah. Is Johnny Williams not just you Barry said, Bannon? Well, no, I don't. I don't agree with that either. Uh, no. at all. I think because they're, they're small and blonde. People have that. They, they, yeah, they they do, and they yeah they have. They both have the same thing. They're running style where it's a very low centre of gravity, but they're very different players. Bannon, 
you know, Bannon yes, yesterday just didn't didn't get into a, into the game at all when he came off the bench. I was really gutted for him. I don't know if he's still suffering a little bit from what kept him out the week before, but I don't know. I don't want to sort of drift too much off the point. But what I, what I think is that we simply haven't found a player who can, you know, play that Maro and Shamak role. So for my in my view, you've got to change the role. You've got to change. I know it had been working, but you've got to change that front line to try and do something that's a bit more effective. And for me, if without Gale, without Gale as an option, and and if you're not going to try Barry Bannon in that position from the very start, then you got to play you got to play Murray and Jerome together if you really want to want to do something and and play them up alongside each other and and risk a four four two. I mean, what end of the day, what what what, what could have gone worse? Chris, um, even with game. even with the amount of running that Jerome does, mm. surely you can actually try him in that Shamak role. That's the that's the yeah. one thing. I don't even think it has to be an orthodox four four two. You can play him just off of him, surely, yeah, because suppose, he hits the channels yeah. and he's all and he's always willing to run. So if you went sit in a bit deeper, come mm. and do running back, because you're going to hit the channels anyway, because Shamak likes to do that. So I don't see why you yeah. don't give it a go. Okay, yeah, yeah, well, that's not a bad shout at all. Um, I just I don't know. Obviously, he lack, lacks the kind of technical expertise that you get from from Mao and Shamak. But what well, I mean, I think that it, it's a really simple point. I'm just trying to make, and it, it's. And it's exactly the same as you were talking about during the week, Alex. It, you've got to have support for the front man. Okay, so absolutely basic thing. But when when you're playing a player, and let's face it, Tony Pulis knows exactly what he's going to get from Cameron Jerome. He's not going to get someone who's going to you know hold the ball where it is. He's got someone who's going to run the channels. If you've got someone running the channels, what is the point if there's no one up there? What is the the point? You can keep, you know, if you're running out of time in a game, fine. If you're going to run the ball down to the corner flag, fine. But what is the point in him working so hard in these That's channels? That's what I'm saying, that if he yeah. played deep then, then you've got someone ahead of him always. Yeah, I, I, again, you don't, I just don't know if he's got the technical ability to, to find the passes that are required and to, and to keep... You know, to me, he's, he's a, he sort of runs on the shoulder of people and he bullies them. I'm not sure playing a slightly more delicate technical role would suit him. But again, you know, if you don't try, you, you don't know. Um, there's, we've, we've drifted onto tactics and that's the right thing to do. I'm happy, happy to talk about that. Um, but one of the other things you mentioned in the middle is intent, Alex. And if I illustrate what I meant tactically and, and, and intent, what I mean, what I want to talk about now, um, too often, in my view, the ball is being, we're trying to break. Okay, that's our thing. We're set up to break. But the ball is turned blindly forward into channels. Um, we're just surrendering possession time and time again by just playing blind. And I don't understand why we're doing that. I don't see what the tactic is because maybe one in 20, maybe one of these 20 balls, we might get a knockdown or something like that if you're going to play. But if you're going to play percentage football, which essentially is what that is, trying to hit areas and pick up the loose ball, why are you doing it when there's no one up there? That's the question. And we've hit a stage now where I left that game and I've actually thought for probably the first time, I think you got it very badly wrong, Tony Pulis. Very, very badly wrong. We've had some poor performances. Newcastle at home springs to mind, but I don't think it was anything that Tony Pulis necessarily did wrong. But I think yesterday, the the way he had the team set up, I think we're starting to look hopeless in, uh, in periods of games. And I really don't like to see that this time in the season. Uh, ben, you've been quiet for a while. You got any opinions on that? Um, well, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, Tony Pulis has obviously done a fantastic job since he's come in, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of starting to, to agree with you on that, that tactically, I mean, fr- from the lineup. You know, it, it's wrong. I think, yeah, as you say, tactically, he's 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 missed the point really, and putting 
you know, Cameron Jerome where he is. I, I honestly don't think Punchin's offering anything at the moment either. Um, something's got to change, otherwise, uh, um, you know, don't want to say it, but we're going to go down. Simple as yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a horrible thing to say, we, but I, I genuinely, I think you're right. We, we are if we're not careful. Tony, I think <clears throat> one thing that Pulis has done, which um, is one thing we arguably needed, is the defence is very, very shored up. Mm. I mean, we we do look like a team that are very difficult to break down. Um, you know, we've got that bank of four and then the two people in front of them. I know it leaves us, obviously, tactically, we're not able to attack because we just don't seem to have the right, you know, chemistry between the players to attack on the break well, like we have done in the past and like we did last year. But I think, you know, certainly the one thing he has got it right is the defence because, you know, I, I just think certainly even if you look at Scott, bringing Scott Dan in, I mean, Mm. We all thought that, you know, Gavadon yeah. and Delaney were good, but Scott Dan is just, he was fantastic yesterday, and he's really, really built a good partnership with Delaney. Yeah, so totally. Defensively, agree. he's spot on, but attacking is where we're lacking now. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It, it, Scott Dan is, is a success story, of, in my, my view. He really has um, he really has settled straight away, and he, he has shown top division class, I really think so. A little bit slow, but that, that could be labelled at quite a lot of defenders in the Premier League, and it doesn't really matter if you get your positioning right. And I really like him and Delaney as a partnership. I think, again, Alex said midweek, they're both very strong, very you know, very dominant in the air, they're leaders, but they both throw themselves at things last minute as well. And you know, the number of, of challenges that they make, sort of last gasp blocks and things like that, it's just, we defend brilliantly, we really do, but... Like you say, that the problems are in going forward. Ben? Yeah, I saw a tweet uh, last night, actually, someone calling for Dan to get dropped for Gabadon. And I just thought that was uh, well reckless and, and pretty harsh, to be honest. I said it at the time, but uh, since that partnership's been made of, of Dan and Delaney, it's, you know, things have got so much better. I don't think Gabadon's up to scratch. You know, he's, mm. what, 34? He's coming surely to, towards the end of his career anyway. And um, I think Scott Dan offers a lot more. Yesterday for the goal, uh, just a really quick point on this, uh, that wasn't very good. I've seen a picture. I think it was Ed Malon posted it on Twitter. Um, right. a, a picture, a still image of uh, where Dan and Delaney were, um, and there was just no sort of. Neither of them knew that Papi Cisse was was directly behind them, and then he mm. got to that. But that's just a, a slight lapse of concentration. We've seen it so many times, um, not only this season but previously. We seem to concede right at the start or right at the end of a half. Um, and mm. you know, in the last few weeks, that hasn't happened. But you know, I, I don't want it to happen. But um, yeah, might we be seeing that, that again? Yeah, it's interesting you, you mention it as a lapse because, um, well, there were a few other chances and it was Cissé who was getting them. And I'm, uh, I'd be very, very interested to look in that in, in a bit more detail. But we'll come, to, we'll come to that in a moment. I just want a quick word of Alex. We've had um, a, a tweet on the lineup mentioned. Yeah, we've had a few tweets. One from Tom said he was disappointed that Glenn Murray was dropped, but uh, Cameron Drone worked tirelessly and actually looked a bit more of a threat yesterday. But again, alluding to the, the lack of service, uh, you've got Mark... Mark, who said, keep forgetting that Ince is, is this in the whole player that, that we've been alluding to, and Charlie Holloway as well said he'd play Murray and Cameron Jerome, but play Bannon in there as well. So we've got everyone tweeting in, telling us how they change it. But mm. um, I, I Tony Tony Pierce himself said it was, was asked a question, I think, um, during the week pre, in the pre-match conference, and he was saying that fans would obviously pick you know twelve different teams and what have you. But I, I think there's a you know, there's a genuine case here, and, and it's not just a case of managing in hindsight, like we, you know, fans often do. The, the calls for people like Bannon in, and the calls for for playing, you know, with a bit more attacking intent. This comes because you know we watch we watch watch a lot of football, and we can see what's wrong, and there is something wrong at the moment, and and it's the pressure 
that builds on a defense when you can't offer anything attack is really not it's not something you can just dismiss um well the big thing is a team can play against us and not worry about what we're going to throw at them yeah that that's the thing that i find just embarrassing that the fact is newcastle can sit there and go we can give them the ball in their own half and it really wouldn't matter they're not they give the ball to balassi and whatever but we'll have three defenders on on one player at the end of the day because it doesn't matter it's just no intent whatsoever and you do, and i'm not saying that i'm not buying into i understand that we can't control the ball sometimes what have you but we're going to have to look at ourselves and grow a pair and actually try and match teams yeah i i do think that um it's i know it's not simply a case of just saying let's you know let's suddenly be able to pass the ball uh, as well as established Premier League teams. But, you know, you can certainly ask the players that we've got to pass the ball better and to be more confident on the ball and to to play with a bit of intent and offer each other a few more options. Because I think we, we've in danger of going into our shell here. We're in danger of, of just trying to grind out a point here and a point there that's just going to be enough to scramble to keep us clear. It's not going to be enough. Even if we drew all of our remaining games, I don't think that that would keep us up. We've got to go out and we've got to get a win or two from somewhere. And, and we've got to do that soon. And we're not going to do it the way we're playing at the moment. I mean, we can sort of, you know, drift through and hope that when Chimac comes back, if he's fit before the end of the season, we've got to maybe hope that he'll, he'll be the catalyst to get us that all-important win. But, I mean, the way we're going, we're, we're in danger of drifting and letting the fear of the situation get the best of us. And that's a real shame. And again, like I say, we've got this solid defence. It's brilliant. We r- really admire what Tony Pulis has done there. Um, but the pressure on that defence is, is going to tell. And we are going to do things like we've just seen. We're going to concede in the last minute. Because it's just a constant barrage. You look at the statistics from the game. Um, and, and Newcastle absolutely dominated. I mean, completely dominated. I didn't feel like that at the time. I, I, you know, I'd had a few drinks. But, <laughs> but I, I'd sort of saw enough of like the game. you. Yeah, I know. Shh. I, I'd seen enough of the game. I remember enough of the game to say that I actually felt we were in it for quite a while. I thought first off we were actually okay. We did, did quite a lot of good work. And I expected us to improve in the second half. And I think we kind of just sat way too deep second half. Just let them come at us. But, I mean, 21 shots they had to our eight. And they had eight on target. And we managed to manage a single solitary strike on target. And that's... That's not good enough. Okay, they only scored the one. It was right in the last minute. And you could argue, okay, if Cissé hadn't put that one away in the very last minute, that tiny little lapse, we'd have got a creditable nil-nil there and we'd all be happy with a point. And we probably would. But it wouldn't have been for the sake of... It wouldn't have been down to our performance, I don't think. It would have been down to some wasteful finishing. And that's where I want to go next. Um, Newcastle had a lot of chances looking back at it. Uh, Jules had to be at his very, very best early on to stop um, Cissé running through. Uh, and that should have been a warning for later on, but it's a warning we didn't heed. Um, Joel Ward, um, sort of, well, let's face it, handballed in the box, but his hands were at his side, so you could argue a very strong case that it was non-deliberate and didn't really, you know, if it hadn't hit his hand, it probably would have hit his leg. So I don't think it was that strong a case for a penalty, but could have been given. And then throughout the game, Cissé had two more huge chances. Another one, Jules made a really strong save for, and then he, he missed badly with a free header. Uh, Teote then went and hit the bar, and you know there was all sorts going on. And we didn't do that. We never built pressure, but Newcastle did build pressure. And whilst you credit us, you credit us very strongly for withstanding that pressure. It was a lot of it was down to Julian Speroni making some really top saves. Uh, not the first time we've said that, but Tony, do you think that? Um 
we're in danger of becoming exactly what we dreaded when we appointed Tony Pulis because the one thing, I mean, when he first came in, we all thought, yeah, you know, we, we're actually attacking. We're not just long balling, etc. But it seems mm. that the more time goes on, the more we seem to be becoming more like the Stoke side that everyone didn't want us to become. So difficult to break mm. down, not much in attacking, um, very physical. And I think yesterday, to me, felt a bit like that. We weren't really attacking with much intent. We were hoping that one or two players, you know, like they had Delap, you know, and 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 uh, Crouch, you know, to put balls yeah. in the net. But we don't have a Delap. We don't have Peter Crouch. Um, I thought I'd never say that. Um, uh, okay, yeah. That's that's all I'm thinking is that we just we're we're slowly we we thought you know when he first came in we it, you know we were going to put, we were passing the ball on the floor we were just attacking quickly but we're slowly and surely becoming more of a you know block them and I, ball. yeah I know what you're saying but I think it I think it's quite it's a very easy thing to fall back on and say that we're we're becoming like the Stoke and blah 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 you know that Stoke team was actually very successful but I don't think that's the case at all I think the trouble is we we're, we're reliant. We're too reliant on one particular player who's not who's not currently in the side, and I think at the end of the day we we are you know we've we've had to come a long way very very quickly, um, and sometimes it shows and it is showing at the moment. And uh, you know I again I mean we, it sounds like and I've picked up on an email from from Dave Smith who's, who's emailed in saying he's surprised at the level of level of negativity tonight. And um, you know Saturday was hugely de- disappointing at the end, but there were plenty of positives and reasons to think we can still do this. And I actually d- genuinely do agree with that. We have been overly negative so far, but I was hoping we'd get the negativity out of the way and then start to build the positivity as we go. But um, these are things that we need to talk about though because. You know, it, it feels a bit raw, and it always does. In the, is it, when you concede a last-minute winner, it's a real hard one to take, and particularly if you've gone all the way up there, like, like you know, many people did. And you know, it would. It, I would have come away thinking a lot more positively had that last-minute goal hadn't gone in. Of course, I would, and I would have been praising, uh, you know, a really stoic defence. I would have been praising some, you know, and I would have said, "Oh, Blassie was so close to scoring a winner." Oh, you know, I mean, all these things, but. I can't. I can't currently shake the feeling that to go away and do what we did um, up in Newcastle, we didn't deserve anything. And and I think that again, I think back to the Southampton game, and we didn't really deserve anything, even though it was a really harsh goal to concede and a very lucky. And I think you know Swansea we didn't really deserve you know much out of that game. And it, the more you say it, and, and the harder it gets to sort of justify. It. And I think all we're really getting at is that. The last thing that I could, I really want to see. If we go down, we go down. But I want, don't want us to go down with a whimper. Mm. You know, I want us to actually give a give a good account of ourselves. Stand and up and be counted for sure. Yeah. You want to go down with a bit of style as well, I think. Yeah, going, going and that doesn't. And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we have to go gung ho in every game and or anything like that. But you know, when there's twenty minutes to go and it's level, sometimes the worst thing you can do is just go, okay, right, we're done now. Let's take this point. Because I think that's what we did. I think the mentality against Newcastle was that the job was almost done, and and people just you know like we said, like Ben said, it was a lapse. Um, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, the the goal itself, it was a quality ball from Ben Arthur. I mean, it's not a great deal you can do about that. Ben Arthur's. I mean, he's a hell of a player to bring off the bench, isn't he? Can you imagine us having a player player of that quality on the bench? He definitely um, changed the game. Mm. I mean, well, you know, it, you've got you've got to be honest, haven't you, and say that that's because they're they're a big club and they've been in that that division a long time, and that's why they've got a player like Ben Arthur on the bench. And 
I suppose that gives you the perspective, doesn't it? When you when you look at that and you, and you look at the, the quality they have, for us to still be in a game against a team that can afford, afford to pay a player the amount of money they pay him to sit on the bench and you know and come on and change a game like he did, you know, we do, we are doing really really well to be competing. But like you say, it just seems it's just a real shame that we we can't take that next step. And you know, you don't. It's it's one of those, isn't it? You don't want you don't want to go down having been so close and this is the closest I think we've been to staying and, and deserving to stay in, in the Premier League and and unfortunately all that good work will be forgotten if we go out with a whimper and we go out with people feeling that we didn't give it a proper go and that and make, we're not go on. Can I make a quick point Chris I'm going um, to agree with um, quite a lot I've just had a quick look at the lineup and the way the subs have gone and it does actually support what you said about not really changing it up and settling for a point because if you look the entire back line didn't change we brought mm. on Bannon and that was for Balassi. So Bannon went on the wing for a winger. Then we brought on Murray for Jerome. So same again. Mm. And then we brought on um, Guediora for Punchin. So there, was, you know, there wasn't really any change in the attack at all. It was just swap one for one and then hope maybe that changes it up a bit. So that yeah. does support your point. Do you think, um, I mean, what, what, what would you like to have seen differently? I'm going to ask all three of you and maybe the listeners can get involved as well. Remember, do you want to get in touch today? You can tweet at HOL Radio. You can message us on, on Facebook with facebook.com forward slash whole radio. Um, we can email us radio at homesdale.net. So, um, guys, what would you have changed? What are the subs you would have made? Um, we've, we've talked obviously about um, having Murray and Jerome on, on at the same time. So, if I start with you, Ben, what, how would you have achieved that? What are the players you would have changed and, and when would you have done it? Uh, well, I was doing the the live commentary, uh, the live feed for the, for the radio Twitter during the game, and I I tweeted at towards the end of the game that the three changes that Pulis made were exactly the three changes I would have made. To be honest, um, although potentially a little bit earlier, I would have brought Murray on. I don't know. It's just it depends what you want from the game, really. If if we're going to win, then I would have brought Murray on earlier. But the way it was going, a point was probably going to be credible. Um, and you know, to, to keep it, obviously, we made our first substitution sixty seven minutes in, so reasonably late. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have made any different changes to what Pulis did. And I think that the players that came on did okay. Bannon, I was a little bit disappointed with, as you said earlier. Um, you know, Palace fans talk about him a lot. You know, if he's yeah. not in the starting lineup, people are saying he should be in the starting lineup. And that, you know, he had 23 minutes uh, yesterday to to make his mark, and I don't think he did, which is really disappointing. Um, and also, actually, one more thing, I, I would have mm. taken punching off earlier. I would have left Balassi on because uh, he hit the bar and he was doing really well. I think he just ran himself into the ground, didn't he? Yeah, that, that's a fair point on, on Balassi. He, he seems to be the one who drops out first. Um, Alex, I'll get your opinion on it, but I also want to ask you a question about Punch. And Punch seems to be almost the first player the fans say we should take off and almost the, the last of the attacking players that Pulis seems willing to change. You got any thoughts on that? I think you look at things like Premier League experience, and especially last year, Punchin was, what, Southampton's player of the season, and he's actually scored goals for us this year as well, where Balassi hasn't scored this season, Mm. Um, and and you do think that if if Punchin does get that one opportunity, that he will take it, whereas if Balassi gets that one opportunity, well... We'll know what where that's going to go probably in the stand. So I think that I think that's the one thing. And, and in terms of changes, I was disappointed. I thought they were negative because at one point at nil nil, this game for the taking, we had five central midfielders playing across the midfield with no wingers. Where Guidiora, Bannon, KG, Ledley, and Jedinak. Now for me that 
I don't, I'm just mystified. I, I, I understand if you want to take the nil-nil, but we're just accepting that we want to go even deeper and pose no threat whatsoever with Glenn Murray up front up there on his own. It's not as if you've got Jerome who's got pace. You've got mm. him up there on his own, chasing down four defenders with Tiote who plays deep as well. So he's chasing down five players, and we've got five players in central midfield. That, for me, is just, that's not acceptable. That I, okay, I, I want to go, go down giving it a go bring it in some we signed the guy for a reason we we had we had opportunity and we got him behind at times and he's good at that so why not bring him on why bring on i understand bannon needs game time but it's not balassi it's completely different we're just going so deep yeah i, I know i know what you're saying and i'm gonna well i'll let, give you a chance to have a look at um, some tweets and we'll come to some listener opinion on a variety of the things that we've talked about already so i'll come back to you in a moment but um tony if i can just bring you in on this um you know, obviously, we're getting into a bit of a theme here, and that theme is, you know, what are we doing as an attacking force, and you know, should we be playing for draws in this game? I mean, if we can take a little step away from it and look back, a draws, a draws, a good result, isn't it? So, you know, is it is it so unacceptable? Are we are we feeling this negative just purely because we've lost the game? Is it a little bit? No, is that are we being a bit too simplistic with it, or would we have picked out all these faults? Um, I think it's a difficult question, really, because a friend of mine said when we were at the pub watching the match, he said, um, if you if you were offered a point now, would you take it? And it was the same question we asked last week, actually. And I said, no, I wouldn't take it because I, I genuinely fit, felt that Newcastle were there. You know, we could have if we'd gone at them, we could have got something out of the game. So mm. it's 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 an odd one. But then, you know, if you'd asked me. At 70 minutes, would I have taken a point? No, no, I wouldn't, actually. At that match, I would not have taken a point. I, I, I would have gone away thinking, we got a point, that's a consolation. We should have won the match. Mm. Um, you know, although Newcastle, you know, the stats, as you said, they had most of the possession, they had most of the shots. Um, you know, Julian made two great saves. But other than that, I didn't think to myself, my God, they're absolutely annihilating us. As you said, it was, it was actually not a bad match to watch. Mm. Um, you know, we, we, we held our lines well. So I, I think you have to look at it on a, If you ask me, you know, this week, you know, would I take a point against Chelsea? Yeah, of course. I'd <laughs> yeah, be very yeah, yeah. happy with that if we walked away with a point. But I think you have to look at each game as it is. And I think, you know, Newcastle, we, we needed a point at the end of the day. Any point on the board is, 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 is a point there. And I know everyone talks about the fact that Sunderland have got these games in hand. But if we had points on the board, it wouldn't make any difference. Points are better than games in hand. So, yeah. from that perspective, yes. But I think you have to look at it from team... I mean, if we went away to Cardiff and said, would you take a point? Well, that would be an interesting question to ask. Yeah, would, would, yeah. Would you I, take I, a point against Cardiff or Fulham? Absolutely not. But I think yeah, that's what we'll play for. <laughs> I really do. I certainly I just, think Cardiff we're going to play for. We will definitely play, I reckon, play for a point. Um, unless things get really bad before then. But, uh, you know, yeah... It, Mm, it's a really hard one. Go on, you were about to say something. I was going to bring up something you mentioned about the punching point. Um, yeah. Interesting, <laughs> interesting, slightly depressing stat for you. Um, one of the reasons I think punching is left on the pitch because he is our top scorer among the players that are on the pitch. Oh, right. Our top scorer is Shamak with six, then it's Gale with four, and then it's punching. Mm. Yeah, that is, um, that is bang on, actually, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to know what my idea of a team would be? Mm. Go on. It's, it's, it's slightly out there because I think it's a difficult one because it depends how much you want to change it up. If you want to stay as we are, defensive, etc., and soak up pressure, then, then it's just going to be a personnel change. I don't think there's much. But I would possibly shake up maybe – I, I would say maybe Chelsea, we are going to 
potentially lose that match anyway. I mean, they smacked six past Arsenal, albeit a 10-man Arsenal, but a 10-man Arsenal can be, beat us 2 nil, so we can't really comment on that. But I, I would go for a four, um, a sort of a four-four-two, but with a diamond. Mm. So I would leave one defensive midfielder and have two up front. Yeah, I, I, yeah. What um, what you've said, I know you you hinted at it before, and you said is is it really is now the time to start changing a system. Now, I don't know. Obviously, none of us know what's being worked out on the training ground and whether or not there is an alternate system in place uh, that that is similar to that or. You know, maybe something we haven't really thought of, but I think the easiest change to make with the, with the system we play. And I remember saying this a couple of years ago when when Dougie was employing this system, and we were having some very similar conversations about being an attacking force and what we needed to change to start dominating the game a bit more. And I always get, went back to that instead of having two midfielders sitting, have one sitting, let Jednat do that on his own, and then have two ahead of him. Now it brings me very very neatly onto the point I want to discuss about our midfield in general. Now, again, I'm very <laughs> wary that um, we're going to end up being massively negative um, about this. In fact, I'm going to have a little think about it while Alex uh, regales me with some communication from the listeners. Have you got <laughs> anything there for me, Alex? Yeah, yeah, we've got a few things. In terms of substitution, as mm. uh, Charlie Holloway says, Vince would have been brought on at all at some point which he wasn't brought on obviously and then Mark said Guediora Murray for KG and Jerome after an hour he said uh, with Ledley dropping back because he doesn't like him in the in the number 10 role or out wide uh, you've got uh, Albert who said our tactics grow irrelevant when we don't have a first choice goal scorer on the pitch uh, Graham Burt said it doesn't matter um, how many goals will we score from open play this season there's no service uh, ben Alexander's got a bit of a, a big a bit of a dig at punching. He said he didn't applaud the fans when he was subbed. It's a long and expensive trip, not endearing himself to the fans right now. Mm. And Gareth Jones says, wherever the goals come from, we can't rely on nil-nil, especially in key games. If Cardiff, Fulham and West, uh, West Brom and West Ham score, then defeat. Mm. Yeah, I mean, of all, of all the tweets, I was looking at um, Mark, Marky, who was also tweeted in, um, saying about, um, you know, the Gady or Murray for KG and Jerome after 60 minutes. He reminded me of what I, what I was going to say earlier on, and that the, the timing of the substitutions. I suppose in a way it, it irks back to the um, the Holloway era when when Holloway looked and didn't like what he saw. You get a triple substitution on the hour mark, wouldn't you? But I think I, I do like I do like an early early change in the second half. I think it's difficult if if the team were doing exactly what Pulis asked of them then he can't he can't make changes early doors really because it, it sends out completely the wrong message you know you're doing what i wanted you to do but i'm going to haul you haul three of you off but and the staggering of the substitutions of you know Bannon just before the 70 minute mark Murray after 76 and Gadiel after 80 they're not you know they those guys those guys being brought on effectively uh, as as tony was saying they're just they're just an alternate player in the same position they're not really going to make that that big and it's hard to make an impact and particularly when you're bringing on Gay Diora for for punching and you're doing it with 10 minutes left to go it's it I mean if anything you know Gay Diora's a very very good player uh, I, re, I you know I really like him and he's the sort of player I'd like to see come in in, in place of KG KG has escaped a lot of, well escaped any substitution yesterday but I thought it was the least effective of our midfield players and that's I'm not someone who I don't like to to, to, to pick him out I I I think he's got some interesting qualities, and as as a as a footballer, interesting. but yeah, yeah, <laughs> was that was that was diplomatic, wasn't it? No, <laughs> I, you know, I like I, 
it's not really, but I, I, you know, I admire the work that he does in the team that kind of goes unnoticed, if you like. But you know, if you're going to change something, I think he's the player you've got to change. I, I, I agree with what's being said. I don't like Ledley in that that further forward role, um, and I know why he's being put there because Julius hinted at it when we signed him that Joe Ledley's got a goal in or, or two in him. He absolutely has, but he's got a goal or two in him coming from the central midfield, not trying to occupy space in behind a striker. That's not really what he does. And you get to a point where got, you, do, you do think, just put people where they should be. If you're going to have two, who's your two best central midfielders? If it's KG and Jednat, then then, by all, then then Ledley's not in the team, is he? But, you know, is Joe Ledley a better player than KG? I think he is. And that's not just our reputation. I think he offers more. I think he's better on the ball. And I think he runs runs an awful lot more, and that's you know that's not trying to be offensive to KG or disrespect what he does in the team. I just think we've got quality in the side uh, that, that can make a bigger difference. I, I really do. <clears throat> um, ben, you've said it doesn't matter now in, when you said that you wanted to speak. Well, I had a point about I had a point about ten minutes ago. Um, yeah. It was on uh, one of the tweets actually talking about punching, not clapping the fans. Uh, I just want to make a really quick point. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Irrelevant now, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> Just uh, a quick message to all the players that are quite obviously listening. Um, earlier in the season, when Shamak joined us, uh, he had that same thing where when he got substituted, he didn't clap the fans. And it really, really annoyed me. And uh, especially when you're, when you're at a place like Newcastle and the fans have travelled however many hours to get there, the least you can do is endear yourself to the fans by, by, clapping, you know, by clapping them when you go off. And I just think it's ridiculous for a player not to do that. It doesn't doesn't take much to do it, and I just think it, it means so much to the fans. It might might be silly for me to think that, but yeah, I just think it's such a big deal. And, uh, yeah, and I'm annoyed that he didn't yesterday. Okay, that's a, that's a fair point. Yeah, I know it does, it does seem to make a difference. I, I, I'm not big on it myself. I don't mind too much. As long as, I get, you know, as long as they appreciate the fans at the end, I think sometimes, particularly if they've had a bad game, their mind's not really on it. And it can be annoying, but, you know... I'd be much more well. It's a lot less annoying if you've done done a bit more on the pitch. I think so. There you go. Um, a few little positive points. We've got in two minutes. We're going to go to the the Doc Brown interview. I think we may, depending on the gaps between interviews, we may dip in and out of a few more topics on this. But I do want to mention we did have some chances. I mentioned Balassi hitting the crossbar earlier on. Um, you know, and, and I suppose the kind of defining moment of the game, which we must mention before we go any further, was that um, Williamson handling the ball and it, and it was a handball it was very similar to Wards in that his arms were down and it hit, it hit actually hit very high up and he's almost on his shoulder but the break from that went led to a goal and and it to me it's again it's, it's it feels like a referee not giving a you know and to be fair he probably couldn't really see it from where he was but there's a there's a you know there's a linesman there as well and and we're unlucky we are unlucky in that situation because they would have been a free kick in a dangerous position, but more to the point, they wouldn't have broken. And to, to, to concede a goal after injury time, a lot has been made of that. And Tony Pulis was angry, but it is a minimum of three minutes, isn't it? And you know, if he'd gone, if we had had a chance, just you know, fifteen seconds, whatever, it's past the third minute of injury time, we'd expect to be given the chance to get the ball in the box as well. So I don't feel too bad about that. It's not like Bristol City the other year where they added about three minutes on and just played until they scored. But it does create, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? And then again, everyone's, you know, the refereeing performance wasn't great, let's face it. And very early on, he didn't give a foul. And it was just incredibly upsetting to see, really. Because um, you always feel like when, a, when you don't get a, an easy decision early doors, you always think that somehow um, 
it's not going to be your day, and it did feel like that. I thought the best of our performances, I think Blassie was good. Um, midfield was pretty poor, and Punchin really did struggle. So, But I would say I thought the best of our performances came from Cameron Jerome. And I think that probably tells, uh, tells a lot in itself. But um, anyway, look, we, we're just going to take a little uh, detour now and hear from actor, comedian, and general Renaissance man, Doc Brown. We are joined by Doc Brown, Mr. Ben Bailey-Smith. Hello there. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, greetings from Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, so you're, you're out there, what, doing the, it's the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Mm, fantastic. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I've just, I'm about to ask a question before, before I should have done that, so I'll, uh, I will come back to that in a moment. Um, okay. Obviously, when, when we last spoke to you, uh, you were gearing up for the start of uh, Hunted on BBC One. That's back oh, in yeah, September, September 2012, yeah. So mm. now it's, uh, it's Law and Order UK on ITV, and so... Uh, when it was announced that you were going to be on it, you, you said that you were a big fan of that show and you had been for some some time. So, yeah. so how, how's that been? And have you enjoyed the reaction to the first few episodes? Yeah, I think it it, it helps, you know, because you know the tone already. Um, you you know kind of what to bring. Obviously, it doesn't change how nerve wracking it is on the on on the first day or whatever. But um, I think it's ultimately it's more more of a help than a hindrance, and um, it's kind of just a lifelong dream for me fulfilled. Not necessarily to be on Law and Order, but to be a cop on a cop show, like to be a detective. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, from when you're a little boy, you dream of stuff like that. It's like it's like it's up there with like astronaut and stuff, you know. So um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's like a big deal and I'm, the reaction's been incredible man people really are enjoying the the, the show and, and and they think the performances are cool so yeah I'm happy you, you mentioned there being being a cop in a cop show is something that you wanted to do can you tell us a little bit more about the role for people that, that haven't seen the show yeah sure it's like um, I play I play a detective sergeant um, Joe Hawkins um, and this is a guy who's he's new to the world of 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 uh murder crime basically solving murders and stuff he comes from um the child protection department so he's been working with difficult young people young victims for, for some time and and that harks back to his upbringing uh oh uh, i think have we lost yeah <laughs> hello hello oh you're back we briefly lost you <laughs> okay um, um, i don't know where i got up to um so, so yeah, 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 cool. Joe, Joe is um, he's a he's a guy who came came from uh, the child protection department. He worked with a lot of difficult kids, but he also grew up. Harks back to his childhood because he grew up in care and around a lot of difficult kids. So he's an interesting character because you know he knows as many people from the criminal underworld as he does from law enforcement. So um, he's a bit more streetwise, um, and I think Ronnie Brooks is is his long suffering. Uh, partner uh, played by Bradley Walsh is, is kind of like he looks at Joe with some fondness in a way because he kind of his eagerness his optimism reminds him of him when he was a younger policeman so um, yeah that's that's Joe really he's um, he's trying to bring a whole kind of new energy to the, the department and he uh, yeah he take he takes his job pretty seriously but he he's quite sort of open-minded and, and 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 light-hearted when it comes to life did, did you um I mean, did you go out and do the, the the whole sort of research thing and, and speak to people in that or did you draw on any of your own experiences to prepare for it? i went on i went on a ride along with ice cube and, oh, and learned, um, really? <laughs> no um, <laughs> I, uh, 
I did speak to a few coppers. We have a police advisor on the show, so it's quite cool. Like anything you think, oh, actually, um, would this happen? You can just ask the police advisor, and they're just like, this would, this wouldn't, don't do this. Sometimes they tell you stuff that's so outlandish, and you're like, really? I would never have even thought to do that. So it's quite, it's really handy, man. Like I think you do need someone like that there. As, you know, I don't know. You see, you see stuff, and you're like, really? I don't buy that. So um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of make it true. I think the the, the the most useful piece of information is about how boring a lot of police work is. You know, right. you see the exciting stuff. So I try, try and balance it out so that you feel like these are real people. These are having real issues in their work. You know, mm, definitely. Okay, uh, Ben. Yeah, uh, moving on slightly. Another thing that that's happened since we last spoke to you was uh, was stand up. So you you. You know, you had the, the UK tour at the back end of last year, and now you're in Australia for, yeah, for the International yeah. Comedy Festival. So how was the UK tour, first of all, and, and are you looking forward to doing the Australia shows? Mm, the, tour, the, the UK tour was incredible, man, especially in the north, the north, the, the shows in the northwest, and uh, Manchester, and, and, and in Yorkshire as well, Sheffield, and Leeds, some unforgettable gigs up there. Um but uh, yeah, no. It's, I just think since since my life's changed so much, and I can't be on the time doing twenty minutes a night like I used to. I mean, I was doing that for a living. Yeah. Um, since since that's changed, and like I just have to sort of appear on special occasions, it sort of suits me better because I can just ease into it. I can relax. I can cover more topics, more subjects, and it it just suits me a lot better. So it's it's cool now being here in Melbourne because I can I can pick up where I left off, and you know just an hour of stuff about how I feel about everything, you know, rather than, hey, here's a funny little rap about whatever, you know, I, I don't have that pressure anymore. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, sort of leading on from what you're saying there, your website saying that you won't be doing too much stand-up anymore, you know, the old show here and there, like you're saying, it seems to be, you know, like you say, you're able to focus a bit better now on, on that, um, but is yeah, your focus now going, going forward going to be on your, your acting work, is that your priority now? I think acting and writing and also I've set up a, a, a business which is like a, a small production company uh, and in fact one of the first productions I'm, I'm working on is, is football related. Um, I'm a big fan of a, a podcast called The Football Ramble um, yeah. and uh, this is a bit of an exclusive actually because I haven't told any of the, 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 the British media this but um, I'm, uh, I'm producing a, a live version of, of the Football Ramble with, with the original lineup of guys um, wow. for the fans initially, but uh, that will also be filmed and edited, and uh, it will act as a, a pilot for a potential television show. Oh, wow, that's, yeah, I mean, that's a really popular uh, podcast. I really have enjoyed it. It's usually popular, so yeah. now I can fill the theatre with the fans. Um, but I, th I just think what what the show was was missing was like a a super fan with connections, which is me. You know, I, I love <laughs> I love it. that show. Um, yeah, that's going to be the first production from my company, Buster Gut Productions. So you know, I was it got to a point where I was just spreading myself too thin, and uh, I don't want anything I do to be low quality. You know, so with the stand up. It will just be a flipping event, you know, I, that's how I want it to be. You know, when I put the date up, it's going to be like, oh, okay, snap, he's doing three shows. Like, <laughs> let's go, let's let's get I, down there. I guess, uh, you know, spread, spreading yourself thin is... is that's how I want it to be. Yeah. I was going to say, just yeah, guess spreading, spreading yourself thin is probably a result of being such a renaissance man. You've got too many strings to your... 
Well, I don't know, it's a bow, isn't it? The strings you have. I was about to mix my metaphors. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's right. It's the bow, yeah. Um, no, I think I think that's right, you know, and and, and it's, um, you know, so, so it's a nice compliment as well. I, 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 there are just a lot of things, not that I think that I'm amazing at, but, like, just things I know I can do, and I get bored easily doing just one thing. So but I think, you know, a lot of people have that in their lives. They don't want to do the same thing every single day, you know. But for me, yeah, it's, it's been, like, four or five things because, you know, like, on top of the acting and the screenwriting and the, the stuff, and uh, another production company is also, don't forget, like I score programs as well, like I do music <laughs> on programs and write songs and theme songs for TV. So, you know, any one of those could be a full-time job. And um, But I just, I don't, I don't want it to be that bad. So it's like three <laughs> months now on one thing, three months in there, rather than how I was doing it up until like last year. It's just everything stacked on top of each other. I was going a bit mad. <laughs> Fair play. Following on from that, um, one of the most prominent things that you've done since we last spoke was Equality Street with Ricky Gervais. And mm. with mm. Ricky bringing back David Brent, it was obviously a, a huge moment. And, and sometimes it can be a big mistake to revisit such a you know a well-renowned character, someone that yeah. you know, people love. Really, so was really. that something you were concerned about going into it? And were you relieved with the reaction? In the from, from the beginning, yeah. From the beginning. Which is why, it, I mean, it's kind of Machiavellian in a way. We, we were working together on a couple of other things. We done Derek together but also we were touring together and we were writing songs the whole time I mean we've, we've written about 10 songs together believe it or not and um, basically it, when he suggested to me that he was going to bring back Brent like kind of for me to, like, to bring bring out this character that he thought was funny uh, in, 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 in this sort of like wannabe rapper um, I was just like what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to be involved in the rebirth of The Office. Like, this is just mental. <laughs> um, and I thought maybe it might be a mistake, but he'd already, so smart, he'd already thought about that. So he was like, look, this is how it goes, right? We don't sell it as, the, you know, the, the return of The Office or the return of Brent, necessarily. We do it as a comic relief thing, because, like, comic relief, you, that, that's, where, that's where that happens. Like, you wouldn't yeah. be surprised to see a new Blackadder on Comic Relief. You wouldn't be like, yeah. oh, God, you know, Rowan Atkinson's trying to bring back Blackadder. You'd just be like, oh, it's Comic Relief, you know. It's, that's the home of the comedy icon, you know. Yeah. And it was such a genius move because it took all the pressure away from it. It didn't even matter if it wasn't funny. Because mo- let's be fair, most of the stuff on Comic Relief is not funny. Right? <laughs> yeah, fair point, yeah. So we, we really, we would, he, it was, su- he's so smart like that. He was just like, look, we put it on Comic Relief. If if people don't like it, then it's like, oh, what? So you don't like the fact that we're giving money to Africans, African children. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> we, we already had the backup. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how are you going to hate on a charity, you know? <laughs> so it was, it was, it was a masterstroke, really. But the fact was that, I mean, obviously it's an opinion, but I look at it and I think I still think it's really funny. I think what yeah. we did was funniest thing on Comic Relief. And um, so we had the sort of talent to back it up. And, and Richard Curtis came and funded the, the shoot and he came down to the shoot and he was just like, dude, this is hilarious, you know. And we were just improvising. You know, there's the sketch that goes with the video. It's just all improv, man. And I, um, no, we just had fun doing it. Um, <laughs> It, it, so we didn't worry about the Brent thing. We left it to the fans after that. 
Yeah. No, it, it genuinely was the funniest thing on there, and I know our producer says it's actually the funniest thing he's ever seen, Mikey. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. That's, that's high praise indeed, and he hates that everything because really he's northern. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, following on from that, you, you're going to be back with uh, Ricky Gervais in, in May, and when you, yep. I think it's David Brent and the Foregone Conclusion, which I love yep, the name. Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in so, back. We're back on tour, yeah. Yeah, London and Oxford. So, that uh, it sold out in... 15 seconds or something like that so you're very much looking forward to that and, and what is your role in there well ricky gives me a spot before the show so i get to do some stand-up which is really cool and and again like i say it's my kind of stand-up show because uh, i'm kind of done with the stand-up circuit in inverted commas but like the special events that's where i want to be so you know it's like oh damn we saw him do some stand-up as well it's a rarity so you know i'll, I'll, I'll open up the show and then I'll come back in character, you know, for the um, the actual uh, the music element of the show. Um, so it's it's a really cool opportunity for me to do my own thing and then do some acting as well, you know, and obviously just some singing too. So it's it's a lot of a lot of my talents get showcased on the night. But the additional beauty for me as a performer is all the pressures off me because it's not my show you know so it really is it's just 100 percent enjoyable yeah brilliant okay um hopefully ben's there to take us into some palace questions i am yes yeah we'll move on uh, from that uh, we last spoke to you in september 2012 uh the day after mm. dougie friedman's palace beat bolton wanderers at the reebok and uh-huh. uh at the time you said uh I think it's realistic that we can make the playoffs this season. There's some youngsters there with nothing to fear. This season we've got to eradicate the fear, stop the moaning and go for it. And that's exactly mm. what we did because uh, we made the playoffs and we got promoted. So uh, We did. And I think once we lost Dougie, we scraped into the Premiership. Really, yeah. when you think about it, I think the, the record that we had was something, I think we won maybe one in ten games or something. We scraped the playoffs yeah. in the end, <laughs> which is shocking. But... Um, you know, I, I think we were destined to go up, man. There was just something about everything. Like, I just, I just, I just knew we were going up. I, even as nervous as I was on that day, you know, when we went to Wembley, I just had the feeling it was our story was just so much more interesting than Watford's, you know. And yeah. I, I still fall for Watford fans because I would hate that feeling now. I mean, you look at their season now; it's just like, where'd you go from a playoff loss? It's so hard. But, you know, rather than them, them than us, you know, we, I just, we, we just, we needed to be there. There's something about the Palace story that's amazing. And it's, uh, it's just, it's incredible to see us in the Premiership, man. Like, have you noticed how quickly you just stopped caring about the Championship? Like, yeah, yeah. I've been missing school. Someone was talking about Skybet. I was like, oh, what was that? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't give any less of a crap. Yeah, it's, know, it's, really it's amazing, isn't it? I've, I genuinely haven't watched the Football League programme once this season, and I'm that, I actually yeah. feel slightly ashamed of that, but at the same time... No, so yeah. do I, so do I, because I was always the one to say, hey, there's other football around, you know, guys, it's not all about the championship. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, and I would say this if we were in the conference, right, the premiership this season is the most exciting premiership I've ever seen. Mm, definitely maybe not like division one i remember that there have been some amazing division ones like when Ar- arsenal snatched the championship from liverpool back in 90 but like the premier league like it's never been this open like there's there's like, only southampton and newcastle have got nothing to do like the rest of us have got so we've got we've got some we've got some serious stuff on you know we've got some stuff to deal with you yeah. know yeah. exactly I, I, when i get back 
when I get back from Melbourne, uh, there'll be three games left. City, Liverpool and Fulham. And like, that is just... Oh. I mean, Jesus. Like, whatever happens to us, our games are going to be crazily relevant to everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, the, the, way, the way I see it is obviously we derail City's championship hopes. <laughs> then we... <laughs> And then we put the Fulham down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you were right last time. Let's hope you're right again. <laughs> um, obviously, since since we last spoke to you, uh, we had Freeman then, and then we went on to Holloway and now Pulis. So what are your thoughts on, on the managerial changes and, and then Pulis now? Well, I was never happy about Holloway. I said from the start quite openly on, on Soccer AM, I think. I was, uh, he just always worried me because... I just I like him, but not my club. You know, like he's he's just that kind of guy. He's a real cool guy, lovable guy, funny. But I always felt he was tactically inept, and um, I never wanted him at my, my club. Um, so when Pulis came in, it was like that perfect storm, really, because we were so loose, we were so weak at the back, we were so misguided. The one thing we needed was solidity, and you know, Pulis whatever criticism you're going to give him, like, you're going to tell me he's not, he doesn't understand how to make a team solid. He does. And and if you look at his record since he's come in, yeah, we've not won a massive amount of games. We've not scored a massive amount of goals. But I'll tell you what, we don't leak. We don't leak many goals. We, we're, we're very hard to beat. We're very hard to break down. And, and you know, I'm looking back through the, season now and it's really hard to find like an actual whoop. do you know what I mean even yeah. the Fulham 4-1 wasn't really a whooping I'd say like Newcastle 3-0 was the closest to like us being just sort of played off the park yeah definitely and, uh, yeah Kabai took us apart in that game really but yeah obviously they, they haven't got him now so they got yeah, we've got them the home wing. yeah exactly are they um, next actually? they are next yeah them. away yeah, yeah Saturday it's going to be a fun journey but um, <laughs> if we could get a point out of that I'd be happy I think yeah definitely um, so, I mean, it's the big question, really. Uh, what do you think our chances of staying up are? High. I yeah. think they're high. and I, I don't think that is, uh, uh, you know, a flight of fancy. And I'll tell you why. Because it's not, I don't, it's not based on how... I'm, I'm not saying we're so amazing we're going to stay up. Look at the league. The league is insane. Everybody's got a chance of everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, uh, th- there's... Th- Tottenham could still technically win the league. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's where we're at right now. That's how crazy it is this season. And if you go down the bottom, it's very similar, man. Like, uh, of course we could, we could go down, but so could five or six other teams. Now, for me, nobody's safe from Stoke down. So, like, we've got cause to worry, but so have ten other teams. And the running is tough, but it's tough for everybody. So I, I just think... We've got a high chance because we've got an equal chance, you know? Newcastle, we could get something. Chelsea, listen, not beyond the realms of possibility. Mourinho's looking like a worried man at the moment to me. And um, I was at Stamford Bridge uh, for our 2-1 defeat, and I thought we deserved a point, at least. I genuinely did, with no rust-tinted spectacles. I thought we deserved at least a point. I'll go along with that. I mean, I mean, as well, it's, it's such a, a lot of pressure on people. It really it changes teams. It changes individuals. It changes teams. It? it changes teams. Who saw Who saw Villa coming, man? Who saw that game yeah. coming for, for Mourinho? He looks He looks rattled, and which is unusual. Mm. And I don't think that's going to get any easy for him, especially when we see what happens uh, on Saturday with Arsenal. So you know, uh, I mean, it, it, 
listen, I would I would sell a member of my family to get two points from Newcastle and Chelsea. You know, um, <laughs> but let's see what, let's see what happens. Cardiff winnable, Villa winnable, West Ham winnable. You know, yeah. City City and Liverpool. No question, it's going to be tough. And then that Fulham, you know, who knows what's going to be our situation on the 11th of May. But as tight as it is now, I wouldn't put it past, especially Palace being Palace, Fulham being a, an absolute must win. Yeah, you know, you know, you know. As soon as the fixtures came out, everyone said that yeah. it's gonna it's gonna go down to that game, isn't it? Uh. It just looked that way, didn't it? It looked like we were going to be involved in the title race and the relegation race in those last three games, and and I think that's the way it's going to be. I can't. It's just it's such a funny. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com season this season that I can't see anybody just suddenly falling away a win last week was it you know Fulham got a win didn't they the, you know no one's adrift so everybody's going to be fighting there's no there's no team that's just like oh we've given up like everybody's fighting so it's tough for everybody not just us I think as yeah. soon as soon as Hansen says on on uh, match of the day that someone's gone they immediately pull out a couple of wins so. yeah he's looked such a clown so many times <laughs> We were gone in the first seven games. I was like, how can awesome. anybody say that after seven games? Yeah. Like, we haven't been in the Premiership for ages. Of course we're going to have a, a run of losses. Like, that to me was just stupid. Yeah. That was just a stupid thing to say. But there we go. Every single... I, I, do you, you know those things they do at the start of the season where they have the predictions from the critics? Yeah. There was one in, I think it was the Observer, where they had everybody, just all the journalists, with their bottom threes. And we were in every single journalist. Yeah. Well, we to go yeah. down. I just thought that's so unimaginative. Because yeah. what about all the teams that just linger around the Premiership? Why why are they going to suddenly have a great season? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's the, I always think there's these teams like that just sort of sit around the Prem doing nothing. And I think, what's their incentive this year compared to ours? You know? Like when you go, to narrow it down to a game, you know when you go into those European second legs where there's a team that are sort of two up? Yeah. Like, the mentality between those two teams in the second leg is fascinating because the psychology, psychology changes. The team that's two up are like, well, obviously we have to win, but we don't have to win this game. We can yeah. draw it. We can do that. The other team's just like, we have to score three right now. <laughs> that's all. We, that's all we, there's no other option. And you saw it with Man U. They just had to do it. They weren't good, but they had to do it. And that's the difference between us and, you know, the flipping, the Swansies and the... The Stokes and the, you know, these West teams, Brom, that are just, they're just, yeah, West Brom, they're just sort of there. They don't really know what, what they want. Yeah. 
Yeah. We know what we want. We knew that from day one in August. We knew. And for the journalists to say, yeah, oh, well, Palace are going back down. For me, that's unimaginative. You're not thinking about the journey that we've been on, how important it is for us, how much it means. Because I can tell you it means more than a lot of these other teams that have got flabby, they've got yeah. comfortable. Yeah. So for me, I, from the start, and on Twitter as well, you know, as everybody was just like, it's one season in the Prem, straight back down. Yep. You know, and I just, I just said, we'll see, we'll see. And one thing I'm kicking myself for is that I didn't favourite all of those tweets because I just, <laughs> if we stay up, I just wanted to have them all out so I could just reply to each of them and go, kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> right, one final question, then we'll let you go. Doc. Um, on the Premier League in general, really, a lot's been made of the impact that our fans have had. Um, do you have the same fear that many do that the Premier League environment isn't really conducive to, to great atmospheres or can you see Palace influencing other teams and, and showing the way really? Uh, well, I think we've already influenced other teams. I think everybody across the board now gives us respect for being the best travelling fans but also the best home ground to visit. When I visited Stamford Bridge, I was shocked at how quiet it was. It was freaky, you know, from the start. Uh, and part of that was a disrespect for us because they, they, you know, they'll be louder when whoever comes, when Arsenal come or, you know, Manu come or Barcelona or whoever it is. Um, but part of it's just that flabbiness that I was talking about, you know, that kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's the Prem, this is what we're used to. And I think we've put a rocket up a lot of people. Um, does does the Prem kill your, uh, your vibe? Yeah, I think it does a little bit. But I think we've been testament to... Uh, uh, how how to behave? I mean, uh, the Man United game apart uh, aside, because obviously there's some bad behaviour from our fans there. But um, you know, I think we've been testament to you know how how to treat a, a, a day out, how, and and like not in that really lame kind of oh we're just enjoying our time here. Like we've been yeah. really passionate, man. You know, and like I've started to hear people steal our songs and stuff. They don't even know the words. They're just stealing like the tunes and. Like half half the songs and stuff is great. I love it, man. People people are looking to us to know what to do and how to support their team, and that's a testament to us. It's a testament to the ultras, the the fanatics, man, and then like all of us, man. Every, every all of us. I think the fans of of Palace have been great. My I, I suppose my only bugbear is I just can't get in the flipping games. Like last season, I could just rock up at like ten to three and buy a yeah. ticket. Like forget about that now. So now I'm having to go like the celebrity route, the kind of don't <laughs> know which is embarrassing, but you know it has to be done. I have yeah, to do it. Done. Yeah, the Southampton game, you know, uh, I went, I just went straight to the source, man, and went for lunch with with Parish and and then and and, uh, uh, and and Phil, the the director of communications, and and and, and Moody and them, and like I just had to do it the prawn sandwich way, man, just to watch my team. <laughs> 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 that's fair enough I mean obviously you died a little inside but you just, it's got to be done yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, fantastic thank you so much for speaking to us Doc we uh, really appreciate your Pleasure. time and just a little little promotion obviously Law and Order is uh, currently on ITV Wednesday nights at 9pm two down six to go and uh, yeah. if you're if you're in Australia if you're one of the Australian listeners that we got then Melbourne International Comedy Festival 27th of March to the 20th of April Thanks, Great. guys. Brilliant. Cheers. No worries. Thank you very much. Cheers. I'm certainly going to back any man that is taking over, if I like them or not. That man is so easy. It's going so deep. <laughs> well, some wow. strong opinions from you there, Alex, at the uh, end of the lockdown interview. Um, 
Yeah. And I think, Mike, you can clip that sound that Alex just made as well to go on the end of that little clip, which was good. Um, yeah, uh, really enjoyed that interview with, with Doc Brown. I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, so, yeah, uh, where to go next? We've got, uh, I've got a few emails and a few tweets in that I wanted to, wanted to go back to before we give Steve Brown a ring in roughly three minutes, so I'm going to have to talk quickly. Um, we've, got, we've got some, well... I've got a lot of emails in, mainly about oil changes for some reason, a lot of the spam emails that have come in. I'm not really sure what that's all about, but I just want to mention Stephen Johnson, who texted in some, something very, very nice about how important it is for us uh, that our show exists for him living over there in the USA, and I'm really glad you enjoy it, Stephen. Um, Colin Fernley got in touch and, and just mentioned that he, he understands the fears and despondency, but he takes solace from the fact that Pulis is managing survival, which may not be the same as what we fans want to watch, uh, but he'll go for survival this year. And it's a very, very salient point. Um, and Graham Burt's got in touch to say that it's now a four game season. Um, you know, what yesterday confirmed is that the games against Cardiff, Villa, West Ham, and Fulham will define our season. So we're not going to get anything from Everton, Liverpool, Man City, or Chelsea. I think we'd beat Everton. Just thought I'd say it. Um, Minimum two wins required, but that leaves us two points short of what I think we'll need. Quite simply, Pulis needs to gamble. I'd rather go down fighting rather than the way we're playing at the moment and come back Johnny Williams. Well, we'll speak to Johnny in a little bit and see, what, see how he's feeling anyway. But, uh, yeah, okay. Um, hmm. Decisions, decisions, decisions on what to do next. I think one, one of the tweets I picked up on is probably worth a quick, quick discussion before we talk to Steve. Um, it was from Thomas Flaherty. Um, he mentioned he just asked the question if Palace do survive this season how do you see us doing next season I think it could be even worse than this one results wise um, personally I um, well I think that obviously you can't really tell the, the, the thing that happens in the summer is, is, is a, a manager gets time to build a team and whether we stay up or go down it's really hard to pre predict what that team would look like um, I mean, if you believe the press reports, uh, you know, if we go down, Tony Pulis might not even be around. But, um, but I, th I think you've got to, you've got to say that we'd, we'd have a chance to build something, we'd have a chance to, you know, ship certain players out and bring certain people back. And it, I just think that's, that's got to be the way forward, really, to think. And you, you can't really get caught up in thinking it'll be worse than this season results-wise. Views, Ben? Yeah, I just think uh, if we do stay up, then... Tony Pulis, we, we, I mean, we've seen him do it at Stoke before. You know, he obviously had a, a lot of time there, um, but really sort of built something. And I think if you do the same at Palace, if we stay up, um, no, this is me being positive. This is good. We needed this positive change. Uh, if we stay up, then he's going to get a whole close season. He's going to be able to bring in his own players. He's going to be able to sort of really start to build something and then kick on next season. You know, he mm. this season is working out, I suppose, which players he likes, which players he doesn't <laughs> like, who he wants in his team for next season. Uh, obviously, he's planning for one-off Championship or Premier League football, and it's difficult to make those final decisions when you don't really know what league you're going to be in. Yeah. But say we do stay up, then he knows who he wants, uh, and he's probably got an idea of who he wants to bring in as well. You'll have to work hard with Ian Moody behind the scenes to do that. But if we do stay up, I, I really think we've got you know a big chance of doing a lot better than we have this season. Yeah, no, I think that's that is that's a very fair point. Um, but. I mean, I know, I know there's always there's always going to be a degree of fear, I suppose. But um, I don't know, Alex. I, you, you were quite upset about the clip. I'm not sure if you were listening to the uh, to the question that was posed. But if you were, have you got a view? Boo. No. Oh. Um, let's just stay up first. I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna really worry about too much. If we stay, yeah. Let's just. Uh, let's just worry about staying up this year. First. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair a fair approach. Um, 
Yeah. Because I'm worried about that enough at the moment as it is to even (laughs) consider supporting football again and for another season. Yeah. It's. I don't think that relegation would be the worst thing to happen to us, you know, ever, but... I'm not afraid of it, but... Yeah. Obviously, you want to succeed. Um, I see. All right, so I'm getting... Sorry, I'm getting messages from the producer at the same time, trying to work out what's going on. He'll be furious that I mentioned that on air, but I can't help myself, um, because I needed to talk, and, you know, that's what I was thinking about at the time. It's terrible, isn't it? Um, anyway, I think we should probably call Steve Brown now before I completely go insane. Um, let's hope it happens. Homesdale Radio is brought to you in association with CompleteSigns.co.uk for all your sign-based needs. To receive a genuine 10% discount, mention you are listening to Homesdale Radio and get in touch today. Oh, so close. So, hmm, while this is ringing, chaps, uh, it's awkward, isn't it? I haven't quite know what to say. Mm. Should we sing? I don't know if that's right. Thank you for calling Farvinners Limited. Oh dear. Oh no, should we leave a voice now? Like uh, no, let's, let's not. Let's not. Uh, what, what we'll do is we'll let the producer make sure that, that was the right number to ring Steve on. And, uh, and in the meantime, we'll just we'll pop back to what we were talking about a moment ago. Uh, which was obviously the, the, the Newcastle game. Oh dear, it's always fun trying to listen, trying to bring people live, isn't it? Um, I just think uh, we, what, where we left it, we were, I was talking about the sort of man of match performances for ourselves and what have you. Uh, guys, obviously, you didn't get a view, chance to put a view across. So, thinking in terms of positives, I mean, anyone particularly impress you, Ben? Yeah, Blassi. Um, quite simply, I think he had a. Well, I've said it so many times before that he's the most frustrating player I've seen in the Palace shirt. But you know, when he's good, he's really good. And I think yesterday. He sort of proved a little bit what he can do. I saw a few tweets um, saying about how he needs to work on his shooting. And I think that's exactly right. But he showed yesterday with that shot that hit the bar, um, you know, that, that, that he can do that. And I think yesterday uh, he did well. And I don't think he should have been taken off uh, when he was. I thought um, I thought that punching should have come off instead of him. Um, but yeah, no, Balassi, I thought yesterday did did really well. Mm. And uh, while we're we're about to try try Stephen the correct number, <laughs> um, oh dear! So um, Alex, just be poised, just in case we have uh, a need for you to give your opinion too. I'm certainly going to back any man that is taking over, if I like them or not. That man is <laughs> so easy. It's going so deep. I really, really, uh-huh. you really have to stop that clip. I'm handing in my resignation. Hi, hello. Hi, Steve. It's Chris on Homestay Radio. You're Hi, hello, you're, Chris. You, you all right? <laughs> yeah, fine. Well, yeah, apart from uh, yesterday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah. Obviously, you're uh, live on Homestay Radio, so please don't swear uh, unless you really want to. <laughs> okay, I'll try not to. <laughs> Do my best. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I, I think that's probably a good a place to start as any, isn't it, really? I mean, general thoughts on that game? Um, well, you know, I think we all. I think we all had a thought we had a point there. It's um it was really uh awful really to uh lose that point in the last second of the game. Uh because I think the the team played well. I think I think Tony's tactics worked. I mean ob- obviously Newcastle have got some some really good players and I think if we'd if we'd pl- tried to sort of play play them at their own game, um you know, they've that they've as I say they've got very good players. I think they would have beaten us, but 
but um, tactics work well. The team worked really hard, a lot of tackling, um, you know, a good team performance. And then just one, one thing right at the end took that point away from us. And it would have been, you know, it would have been a very nice point to have, wouldn't it? It would, yeah, it would absolutely. And we like, we were agreeing, obviously, beforehand that we'd all have, we'd have taken that point gladly, I think. But, I mean, yeah, from, a, from, from a sort of uh, support perspective, obviously a lot of people are a little bit down on the... Um, sort of the lack of attacking we do but you do you sort of use you sort of hinted there that you feel if you if you try and do a bit too much you'll end up being well out of the game is is it difficult um to to try and compete to try and bridge that gap in in the you know obviously you've not really had a great deal of time all of a sudden find yourselves in the premier league and i mean is it you know is it even a little bit soul destroying trying to bridge that gap no i think it's a challenge i think it's exciting and you know we've you know, we, we've achieved a lot since, since we bought the club. I think we got promoted um, when there were other teams who had uh, more expensive players, players who earned more money, um, uh, you know, apparently better teams than our team, but but we still managed to get promoted and they didn't. And I think it will be a fantastic achievement if at the end of this season we don't get relegated when, you know, we've probably got the lowest value squad in the league. We've pretty sure we've got the lowest wage bill in the league but but what we've got is a bunch of players fantastic supporters we, we've got a passion about us and uh you know it's not it's not all about it's not all about ha- having the best because if it is ha- having the best obviously we're uh quite a, a long way down in terms of uh being able to afford that but but i think you know i think this team you know, a, re- a really good unit, and 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 uh, they work hard. I was just looking at some stats in the paper today. Apparently, yeah. only one team has made more tackles in the Premier League this season than Palace. Oh, really? Quite, quite an interesting stat in the back yeah. of the uh, Observer today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that shows you that. Well, like you said shows the battling qualities, I guess, uh, of what, yeah. what we're having to employ. Um, yeah, well, we have to. You know, it, it, as I say, it's totally realistic to think that that we're going to scrape into the Premier League and. And be outplaying some of these teams that have got hundreds of millions of pounds worth of players. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you know, in, in in Tony Pulis, we have a manager who 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 understands the Premier League, uh, understands what you have to do to stay up. Um, and clearly, gung ho football is is not the answer. Mm. Okay, um, Steve, we go back a little bit before the game. Uh, Steve mm. Parrish's tweets about how much he hates the trains uh, and, and dire straits kept many fans amused uh, <laughs> as you made your way to the game. So how was that long journey up to Newcastle? Uh, well, I wasn't, I wasn't on the same train as Steve. Steve, Steve does like, a, um, like to be in his, in, in his Ferrari, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, personally, I, I hate being on, on the motorways. I, whenever I go on the motorway, there's always a contra flow and a tailback. And uh, after that trip to Everton, I would, do anything rather than drive up the motorways <laughs> so i'm perfectly happy on the train I, I i was on the train up on saturday morning lots of palace fans mm. and, uh, and and got the train back after the game yes yeah, uh, that, that was fine it's, yeah, it's the journey home um it's always a killer isn't it when you when you've suddenly had that oh, result it takes about two hours longer when you've lost yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it was it was, <laughs> it was a long journey back Mm. Um, so, I mean, generally speaking, how are you, how are you as as the owners sort of coping coping because the the intensity of the season is sort of dramatically increasing. It seems looking in. Uh, yeah, so well, I to be honest, I you know I think if we were being honest, we we all thought that 
that that it would go right down to right down to the wire and if if it wasn't going down to the wire that that, that would be because we were already relegated you know i think <laughs> you know it, it it was obviously a massive challenge coming into this league and not being one of the worst three teams um and you know so far fingers crossed we are just above the bottom three and uh, you know i i kind of looked at the fixture list when the season started and you just looked at that Fulham game and you had memories of Charlton, um, what was it, eight, nine years ago, yeah. of it all coming down to the last game. And, and this time, just maybe, you know, our luck will, will go the other way for a change. Mm. But, you know, it's going to be tight, isn't it? I think, I think we probably need three wins, I, I would have thought, yeah. uh, to stay up. Um, you know, we're probably not going to get them against uh, one of them against Chelsea next Saturday, but... Strange things have happened. You never know. It, 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 it's going to be if we do stay up, and I'm and I'm quietly confident it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic achievement, and and it will be a real stepping stone for the club because, as I said, we haven't ever survived more than one season in the Premier League, and if you if you do survive one season, then you can really push on and you know hopefully do a um, a Southampton a, a Swansea, you know the 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 the, the teams that that have got up just survived in their first season yeah. and then really established themselves in the Premier League because what Palace ought to do and deserve to do in my opinion is is get established as a top Premier League club but the first season is always the you know the hardest one is you adapt from 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 what is pretty you know there is a pretty big gulf I think b- mm. between the championship and the the Premier League you know so, so some of the you know last season you know Zaha and uh Ince were probably the two top young players in the championship, and and yet you know th- th- those players who looked who looked outstanding in, in the championship have, have, strugg- have, have struggled to get games in the Premier League. It's you know that there are some top players in this league, and uh, and uh, it's it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it really, no, it really is, and I, I I guess the the sort of planning for next season and things like that can't really. Because of the diff- the difference off the pitch as well as oh on. yeah, sorry, you just can't you're kind of almost in limbo, aren't you? Yeah, it's a different world. I mean, we, we are we are in limbo. We're in limbo in lots of things. You know, for example, if we stay in the Premier League, it's a le- it's a requirement, a league requirement, that we have to have undersoil heating. So we, we have to dig the cellar's pitch down to um, I can't remember what it, what it is now, one and a half meters or something, uh, and spend about a million quid putting in undersoil heating that might not might not be needed anyway i mean for example that there hasn't been even a frost uh, this winter so it wasn't needed this winter but but anyway that that's something that we have to do um the moment we know we're staying up but if we go down that's kind of a bit of a waste of a million quid yeah so so that's... you can't you can't even plan things like the pitch you can't plan <laughs> pre-season friendlies you can't you know you can't plan lots of things and certainly um, the budget to, to be spent on players if we go down is totally, totally different than the yeah. budget if we stay up. Yeah, but you talked about the uh, the difference between the Premier League and the Championship on the pitch, but off the pitch, in terms of attendances and ticketing in general this season, how have you found the the challenge of dealing with the increase in demand? Well, I'd, I'd like to think that we've handled it really well. I mean, we we've we've more or less sold out every game because there's a thousand seats at Sellers that, that have got restricted view you, you know s- sometimes 
you get a figure of, of 23 and a half or 24 and it, it doesn't sound like it's full but it but really pretty well all the good seats are full but what we've what we tried to do is make sure that that um that we didn't have a lot of away fans uh, in home areas i think in previous seasons when palace have been in the premier league uh, you've had a lot of uh, away fans in home home areas or, yeah. or or neutral fans, but this season, you know, we've made it quite difficult for people to buy tickets. So, so only the real real Palace fans have got tickets. So, um, so so consequently, and the other thing, the good thing is that the, that the B grade games, um, you know, West Brom, uh, Norwich, uh, Stoke, you know, games like that have been just as well attended thanks to the ticketing policy, policy as the A-grade games. And, of course, you know, for, for the actual um, importance, those, those games are really more important to us because they're, they're the games that we've got points out of. Yeah. So the atmosphere, you know, the, the atmosphere with, uh, with, with a full stadium and, and 90% of that stadium being, being hardcore Palace fans, I think, has been brilliant. It's been the best thing about this season for me has been the fantastic at- atmosphere at Sellers Park. And every... Mm. You know, every visiting director has said, "Wow, your fans are amazing. I wish we had that atmosphere at our stadium, kind of thing." Um, you know, it re- and it really is it is something special at Sellers Park. Mm. Yeah, it's obviously, you you guys have put in an awful a lot a lot of work to sort of make the atmosphere well the situation as conducive as possible for that atmosphere. I think. Well, but, um, I'd like yeah. to think so. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone agrees with that, but <laughs> but I think that you know that's the whole modern football argument again, isn't it? I mean, on that we're. On the, and on the sort of ticket inside of things, some of the things I've seen this season, which which amazed me, I haven't seen in years, obviously, is that you've seen touts and you've seen sort of tourist packages available and stuff like that from people who've managed to get tickets and things like that. And obviously, you've you mentioned it's a priority for you to make sure that um, Palace fans don't miss out and that nothing yeah. else helps the atmosphere. But well, I mean, good thing. I don't think there's been a game this season where where a genuine Palace fan has not been able to come come to a game we've we've kind of timed it just right so the games just about sell out yeah. but but a palace fan is a real palace fan is always able yeah. to get a ticket if you want to come to the game against chelsea next saturday you, you can still come and that's because we made it very difficult for chelsea fans or impossible to for chelsea fans to get tickets in home areas we made it very difficult for tout um so you know it, it, it it's all it's all to uh, encourage the real palace fans yeah, uh, and on that, I suppose, is it? I think say, so, I mean, obviously, it's, it's a big if. But if the capacity was there, and you know, it was a bigger, it was a bigger stadium. You think being a Premier League club, do you think from a business point of view, actually, that that sort of touristy market, the kind of neutral market, is that is that something you'd have you'd feel pushed to to look into as a Premier League club? Well, yeah, I suppose you know, if we had a bigger stadium, I mean, first of all, I think if we did have a bigger, better stadium, we would attract more fans, and and the, and there's no doubt the Palace fan fan base is growing anyway. Uh, so you know, perhaps if and when we have a bigger stadium, we can fill it with Palace fans. But mm. but also, as you say, there there is there is the um, the possibilities, which is something we, we we're not exploring at Sellers because we don't need to, of of having tickets available for. For, for people who might not yet be be fans of the club, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're clearly not uh, as high profile as, as, as some of the North London clubs, but it'd be great if we became the uh, you know the Arsenal of the set of South London, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you you mentioned uh, before about um, speaking to other clubs' directors about fans and things like that. 
Um, mm. Just a general question about the opposition chairman, really. How have you been received by them when, when you've gone around the grounds and you've got any interesting stories to tell us about? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, the, the, the welcome that we've had of other grounds has been, has been you know, always very friendly. Uh, it was nice to meet Mike Ashley yesterday, mm. um, who seemed like a very down-to-earth bloke. He was just dressed in his jeans and... Uh, wasn't wearing a tie and drinking a pint of lager, so it's, it seemed like a, a decent bloke. Uh, I mean, I suppose I, w- what you do notice the difference in the Premier League and the Championship is that a lot of clubs there isn't an owner, or there isn't apparently an owner. You know, you, um, you know, I think I think I'm right in saying that the chairman or the owner of Manchester City has been to one game ever. Uh, mm. You know, so, so you go to clubs like Manchester City or Manchester United or, or Liverpool. Um, even Arsenal, uh, you know, there, there isn't an owner there. We haven't met the owners of those clubs because they didn't, they didn't come to the game at Sellers and they don't even, they don't even very often attend their own home games. So uh, there is, there is certainly a difference there. But, but there are, you know, there are a few, a few clubs still that are owned by actual fans of the club, but, but, but not, not as many as you'd, as you'd like. Mm. Definitely. I mean, I, was one coming up that sort of uh, could be interesting. Reckon if uh, reckon Vincent Tan will be around for the Cardiff trip? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if Ian Moody's going to be welcome in, in the oh, boardroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, I've met Mr. Tan because obviously we've we, we've we've played them uh, we've played them every season, haven't we? Since mm. we bought the club. Um, I mean, he. You know, he's he he seems a, a perfectly all, all right man, but he's obviously not a he's not a, a South Wales boy with with the club in his heart. But uh, yes, I mean, I, I don't I don't think I don't think personally I've got a lot a lot in common with him. But the guys at Swansea are different, of course. You know, um, the 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 the, uh, the club there is owned by people who are who are real long term fans of the club. Do you think? Um I think those days are kind of well. You're like the exception, you know, rather than the rule. Uh, do you think that those days will ever come back? Well, no. It's looking the other way, isn't it? As, as more and more clubs get get sold to sort of foreign owners or big corporations and things. But uh, I'd like to think so. I, I mean, I, I I very strongly believe that football clubs should should represent their their community, and, it, and it's about where they're from. And, and the people at the helm should uh, should have an attachment. You know, yeah. it, it it should be. You know, fo- football is something that that unites the area that, that the club is in. And I think it's a shame for for some of them that there isn't uh, at, the, at the top level there isn't any uh, affinity with the uh, with the local area. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's a, it's a real shame in some ways, but I I, I do worry about it because you kind of you try and let you sort of let your mind sort of wander a little bit and. You think, how can football possibly sustain itself like this? Because it's almost like everyone needs to, and everyone's gambling on success. Mm. And everyone's trying to build bigger and better facilities, and everyone's trying to, and the wages are going up, and all this sort of stuff. You do wonder if it's ever going to hit that point where it will just explode on itself. And obviously, you've seen certain teams go. Portsmouth being the, the biggest example of that. Do you, yeah. I mean, you know, viewing it from within, can you? Well, can you see it getting getting worse still? Well, I think I think that, that financial f- fair play is, is is a great idea, and I, and I, you know it's not really fully operational yet, but yeah. but I, I absolutely strongly believe that that football mustn't allow another Portsmouth situation, um, 
and you know it, because the poor fans of that club you know and Portsmouth's got some fantastic loyal fans who've, who've stuck with them you know that, that that club is now looking like it might it might even not be in the football league next season and that's just yeah. purely down to in, incompetence and and financial mismanagement uh, and and football should regulate it itself to a certain extent anyway where where that should that shouldn't happen again Mm, yeah. Um, recently in the programmes and around the ground, uh, the brochure for this season's end of season events has been released. Uh, can yep. you tell us a little bit more about what you've got going on at the end of the season and there any events that you particularly enjoy? Mm, yeah, well, my favourite's the beer festival. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a bit of a beer, a beer nut. And um, I mean, the, the, the beer festival is a fantastic thing because it's obviously a, an end of season party because we, we have it after the last game it's on cup final day this year uh which is the 17th of may i think it is uh and and that uh, if you're into your i mean even if you don't like beer that much it's a, it's a great event but if you are into your beer uh i think we've got 150 different draft real ales all from small independent breweries uh we've got real ciders um craft beers in bottle um there's uh, there's a scar band playing this year you sound really good um, and, and lots of other entertainment. I think we'll get some players along. We had uh, Johnny Williams came last year. Yeah. Uh, Ex-players, I think Mark Bright came in last year. Uh, Neil Morrissey is opening it. Um, that's, a, that's a great a great day out and, and a real laugh, I think. Then we've got the, um, the, the, the Player of the Year Awards, which is at Fairfield Halls again, um, which uh, was a very good, good evening last year. Uh, what else, what else have we got? My mind's gone blank. Um, there's there, there's a golf day at Sweetwoods, which is the um, which is the the golf club that Martin Long owns. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure there's some more. Oh, I think there's a what else is there? I think that there, there's a there's a charity dinner. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's something really important I've forgotten. It's all in the brochure. Yeah. Um, going back to to the beer festival, Steve. Um, yeah. One thing that I I feel, and I think a lot of other Palace fans do as well, is that each year you do it, it just seems to get bigger and better. Do you feel like that's the case? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're you know obviously uh, the first one, you know, we were, we weren't t- too sure how how it would go, and I think we've had more people every year. Last year we had nearly two thousand people attend, and this year we're hoping for two and a half thousand. So, uh, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's a really great event. I seem to remember seeing you there last year. Yeah, Chris, Chris was there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to remember much about it. Yeah, honestly, I, I, well, I've, oh, yeah, I've, I think I've done them, done them all. I think, um, yeah, I actually left the music festival last year to, to come and join in the beer festival and then go back and that was, oh, really? a, that was a massive error that was i don't remember any of the music <laughs> festival when i got back to that but. you shouldn't really plan to do anything after the beer festival no no that was my mistake but <laughs> yeah. I, I just i just love it and i say i always bring lots of non-palace with me and uh, they always yeah. have a, always have a great day out as well and sort of buy into the whole spirit of the event it's just a fantastic thing to do to, yeah there's a great buzz isn't there yeah, yeah. and it obviously oh, Hard, hardly expensive as well for for what you get, and you always no. buy more vouchers than you need. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, if you time it right, you can. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, yeah, that's nah, all good. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, well, not too much more to ask you really, other than um, 
I mean, the, the horrible big question, and you've already mentioned that you know you're confident that we'll stay up, but um, yeah, I suppose I, well, you've already you've already answered it really. But the last question was, will we stay up? Still, will 100%? we stay up? <laughs> well, I think as I said, I think in, in Tony Poulis, of all the clubs uh, who are at the bottom of the table or near the bottom of the table, we have got, I would say, undoubtedly the most experienced manager, mm. uh, a man who knows this league better than the other managers, knows the players in it, knows the teams, knows how to stay up. Um, you know, he's a very, very smart guy. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got every confidence that that, that he will... He will guide us to safety, but but it's going to be tight. Clearly, it's going to be tight. We, we need every one of those Palace fans uh, behind us all the way, and and that's something that's been just brilliant this season. The you know the the the, the, the support for the club has been fantastic. The players get a lift at, at home games and away games. You know, two and a half thousand people at Newcastle yesterday, even though they tried to stick us on the roof. Yeah, you know, it's still the the atmosphere was fantastic and the support yeah, was. was fantastic. And, um, and, down, and down at Cardiff and, and at West Ham, you know, they, they, these are going to be, uh, and then at Fulham, these are going to be massive away games, and I know the Palace support is going to be going to be brilliant. Yeah, no, we're, we're obviously we're all up for it, and I know the, I know the players will be too. Um, just I yeah. suppose that last little question on on Tony Pulis, actually. I mean, how, how have you found working with him? I mean, he, he's talking about fans. He, he's been very very quick to mention the fans as being vital, and I know he was very similar at Stoke and. Has, was he? Yeah, has he been surprised by it? Um, maybe not surprised because you know he, he know you know he he knew he knew about Palace already. I think uh, he yeah I, I think last season perhaps people regarded Stoke fans as being as being the most passionate in in the league, mm-hmm. and Stoke's fans certainly have a very good reputation for getting behind their team. But but he is you know he he is I mean you'd have to be mad not to be. He is incredibly impressed by the passion of the Palace fans. Uh, you know, he, he, he's he's mentioned that several times. You know, he he really really appreciates the the backing that, that he and the team have, have had. It's been it's been brilliant. That's a lovely place to leave it. Obviously, yeah, everyone get behind the team, and we can do this. Hopefully, yeah. Go. <laughs> oh, can I just say one more thing? Uh, se- season tickets. Um, yes. Just in case people forget the the deadline for uh, renewals at the at the the opening prices, the early bird prices is uh, 31st of March, which is 10 days away, isn't it? Um, And also, that is the deadline for renewing your seat if you want to keep your current seat. Uh, So it's pretty important that people renew in the next next week, really. Well well reminded. I've just got to put that in my calendar. I've got to do that tomorrow. (laughs) It would be nice if everyone didn't do it on the last day because I think Mandy and her staff in the box office would be totally overwhelmed if... uh, Thousands and thousands of people all, all tried to renew on the last day, and of course you don't have to pay. You just got to renew. You you, you can use the instalment plan, which yeah. which means you don't, you know, you, you just pay a, a monthly figure until the end of February two thousand and fifteen. So, so it's not it's not like we're forcing everyone to pay right now, but is, uh, but it's, yeah. it's it's great that so many have renewed already, and 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 we're actually in a situation now where the uh, the White Horse Lane stand is sold out. The Oh, wow. The uh, block J in the in in the main stand is sold out, and we we started a new block for for families in 
the main stand blockade, oh. and that's sold, and that's sold out already. <laughs> so you know, part of the reason for 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 asking people to renew now and uh, is is that if some people aren't going to renew now, that there will be some some more seats available on the first mm. of April, uh, because uh, you know if the uh, we got fifth. I think it's fifteen thousand six hundred season ticket holders this season, and I think if we stay up, we'll have even more next season. So almost every every home seat in the stadium is going to be a season ticket. That's brilliant Brilliant to hear that the family area is growing so much as well that you, you can't yeah, yeah. suit demand. No, that's yeah, pretty I mean, well. That's, uh, no, that, yeah, but, so so that, that was all I was going to say on that. Yeah. Please, right. please renew now. Yep, well, I will do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, pressurising you there. I oh, know you have. You've put me right on the spot. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's well, well reminded. Isn't Good. Thank you all so right. much for talking to us, Steve. Yeah, Thank always you. always a pleasure. And, and thanks again to everyone for their fantastic support. Uh, see you all on Saturday for the Chelsea game. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank okay. you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. 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 Well, there you go. You have been, you've been told, go, get to get to sell us, renew your season tickets. Oh, that's a perfect reminder as well. Guys, before we go and do the, the under-21 commentary tomorrow, which kicks off at 1pm, we'll be on from 12.50, wholeradio.net. I've got to go to sell us and renew my season ticket. <laughs> so see, see, I've got a plug in there, and I'm good. Yeah, oh, that was good. <laughs> Um, oh well, we've we've got to ring Clinton. Basically, we've got we've got Palace legend Clinton Morrison uh, lined up for uh, for a live chat. Just just almost almost just now. I'm to the point where I'm trying to say the word just. There he is. Let's, let's, I'm uh, certainly going to back any man oh, that is yeah. taking over, <laughs> if I like them or not. That you man know. is you know. so easy. It's going so Unlikely. deep. <laughs> Hi, Clinton. It's Chris Hambling on Homestead Radio. You're on live. Okay. Hello, mate. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Just getting excited over this Real Madrid-Barcelona game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you forget that was on when you agreed? No, I knew it would be half-time. So oh. It was only a minute to go, so I'm not bothered, but the football's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I've... Oh, I wish I was watching it now. I almost want to end, end the show. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cheers, mate. Cheers for, uh, no problem, cheers for no being problem. on. And, um, well, we last spoke to you at the end of 2011 uh, when you were at yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, I think, on you just been recalled on loan. Uh, you're at yeah. Colchester now. How's your, uh, how's your time at Colchester been? No, it's been all right. I wouldn't say it's been like, it's been all right. It's been good working with all the youngsters. I've enjoyed my time. I wouldn't say it was probably the best time. I've had there. I've not probably played as much as I want, but obviously we've had a new manager, and it wasn't the manager that brought me in. But and obviously he's gone a different way. But now I still enjoyed my t- um, time playing football. Just probably haven't played as much as I wanted to play. So let's to see what happens. Yeah, they obviously don't know. They just don't know what they've got, Clinton. You should be starting. Obviously, every week. yeah. Obviously, <laughs> they don't. They don't know if you play to my strength. No, I'm only joking. No, I, I, I still in, it's not too bad. There, I'm enjoying. I, I enjoy it still. It's good working with a lot of the younger players out there, so it's good to help them. So I still enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, you were you were sort of heading in that direction when last boat you just trying to work with the youngsters, and obviously you're always always involved. Um, you know, coaching through the, well, not coaching, but uh, talking to the young lads at, at Palace as well. Is it? Um, is that something where you think maybe your career might head? Yeah, maybe a lot of people want me to do coaching, but I'd rather like I'd like I'm going to do some media training in the summer. I'll probably do my badges as well, but I don't mind giving the youngsters any sort of help that they want. But I like. I like watching football. I like watching it and like commentating on it. But obviously, I'm going to do my badges. So if an opportunity came to do coaching as well, I'll be I'll be fairly up for that because it's good to bring it back and help some of these youngsters. 
Okay. okay. Uh, Clint, we had Kevin Phillips playing for us at the age of 39 last season. At 34, how are you feeling fitness-wise? Do you think you've had to adapt your game as you've got older? And do you think you'll last as long as Kevin Phillips has? I'd love to last as long as Phillips does. I think he's <laughs> in great shape. We played against, um, we played like a reserve game against Crystal Palace. I think not too long, was it two, three months ago? And he played and he was probably the best player on the pitch. He was still sharp and, and he looked well. But no, my fitness is good, obviously. Um, I've kept myself in good shape, but it's difficult when you don't play week to week. If you're playing every week, it's all right, but when you don't, then you come out for three or four games, and then you go in for two or three. At my age, it's a bit hard, but I'm about to adapt my game. I'm not, like, blistering quick as I used to be when I was younger, so obviously my game is different now, so that's where I'm not running the channels more. I want the ball to feet, and I just want to play and pass really, so sometimes our manager don't really want that. He wants players to run in behind, so that's why I probably have not played as much as I probably I'd hope to this season. Mm, now that's fair. Um, I suppose again. Um, well, I don't know. You still got you still got time to come back to Palace and beat Ian Wright's scoring record. I still reckon. Um, every time, every every transfer window, I'm just thinking. I wonder what Clinton's up to. Um, <laughs> oh I've got a good relationship with the chairman. We might make it happen one day. You know? <laughs> I only need to play like a few games, and I'll get the balls, and then he can just say get lost again. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, so I mean, we, we've obviously we just talked like you know things that plans are finished planning. I noticed you mentioned the sort of the media there, and I saw a tweet you put the other day. Um, yeah, uh, get involved into punditry. I think you'd uh, obviously you'd be excellent, mate. You, you know, very direct yeah. of your opinions and very forthright. Um, yeah. So that that apply, the place you want to go is it media wise? Yeah, yeah. I like football. I love watching football. For more any football, I watch like <coughs> I watch non-league football to any football, youth football, anything. Like if you can ask me about any like most players, the Spanish, I just love watching football. I just love the game to be fair. So it's something I want to do definitely. I'd even do like stuff what you're doing, like radio stuff first to, to just get used to it and stuff like that. I just I just love doing things like that. I just enjoy what I enjoy just kind of watching games and be having to commentate on it and you know give my views of what I think. So yeah. it's something I'm definitely thinking of doing, yeah. Well, you're okay. always, wel- always welcome on Homestown Radio, mate. Can't pay you. <laughs> well, but... <laughs> I, I might, no, I don't want no money. I might take you up on that one day, definitely. So, yeah, you just stay <laughs> in contact. I'll be up for that, no problem. Nice one, mate. We'll, we'll have you on one day there as a presenter. Big no quality. problem. <laughs> no problem. You, right. you say, Clint, that you love talking about football. So uh, talk to us a bit about Palace. Have you seen much of their season so far? Yeah, I've been to three or four games this season. Um, no, I think Palace have done um, brilliantly this season. Obviously, at the start of the season, everyone wrote Palace off. And obviously, Ian Holloway, he, obviously he left the club after doing a great job of getting them promoted. But it wasn't really working. And I bet everyone thought Palace were doing. But I think you have to give great, great credit to the chairman. He brought great experience manager like Tony Bulis. He's, he's doing a great job. He's made them more solid. Obviously, it's always difficult to score balls in the Premiership. And Palace are not going to be able to go out there and buy a striker that costs 12, 15 million pounds. He can get you the um, 15, 20 goals that you need. So everyone has to chip in. And, and they've been doing that this season, especially of, obviously my friends there, um, Punch and Jason. And, he, and I think he's been doing well, chipping in with the goals. And I think other players have doing, um, been doing well. So I had a good so I just think, all in all, it's, it'll, be, it'll go right to the wire. But I do believe Palace will survive because the one thing they got in, the advantage is that I've been to Sellers and wow, I, I didn't know the place was rocking to be fair. The fans were yeah. unbelievable. They didn't stop singing. They're one of the best fans, best fans I've seen to be fair. Like, it, it was brilliant. I couldn't believe it. I just like, wow, this place is jumping. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it was good. It was very good. It was good. It's, I've been there for years and obviously the fans have always been brilliant and singing. But this, that, the night I went to and a few of the games I've been, the place was rocking. So fair play to them. 
Yeah, I was going to actually ask you about that because just how different it is. Because, like you say, we've always had a decent set of supporters, but but of late, we've just, especially this season, we've absolutely just kicked off and gone mad at home. So it's really good to hear that it's that much different to when to when you're about. Um, no, it's way different, much different. You don't even, I don't even hear like even when you're giving a pass away. You used to be yeah. out to hear one or two moaning. It's just <laughs> unlucky, unlucky now. But nah, behind the goal where the homes are road is the. The fans there have always, they're, they're the diehard, the, the core of the fans, I think. And that's not disrespect to any of the other fans there, because all the other fans at Palace are brilliant, but yeah. obviously they start they start the song in that corner, and they're the ones who just get everyone going, so, do you know what I mean? So, you, the fans are unbelievable there. Yeah. As, as a player, how much of a difference does that make? Nah, it gives you a massive lift. It's just, if they're roaring you on and they're behind you and they're singing your name and they're cheering you on, it's, 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 it gives you a massive lift. If you're playing, you can't play like that. It, it's, it's something wrong because it was the same at when I was at Sheffield Wednesday. It's another big club. We, we in, in League One, we got like 25,000 in League One, which is ridiculous. But And they used to roar us on as well. But at Palace, it's a sellout and there's more. And it's just... It's that song. I can't remember the song, but it's it's amazing. There's there's one song they sing. I can't remember where it is, but I just think and it, I they never sang it when I was there. It's a different. It's not the Jad all over song and that like, but yeah. it's a it's an amazing song. And I just think to myself, wow, I'd love to be playing out there. If you can't get out for that, then you shouldn't yeah. be playing football. Yeah, that's it. I, I won't try and sing the songs to you. I just, I just can't do it to myself. But yeah, I know. I know no, what you mean. Yeah, you know what I know. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. But don't sing yeah. it now. Too much people <laughs> listening. <laughs> exactly. Um, on, yeah. the, on the flip side of that, I'm really interested to know. Like um, on the flip side of that, you mentioned like back in the days where you could hear people moaning, and I, I sort of remember that as well when it was definitely quiet. Like, Trevor Francis years and stuff like that. Yeah. When the loudest voice was the, was the guys in the main stand complaining about stuff. But at the same yeah. time, does that get to you as a player? Can that affect your performance? Oh, really, I was fortunate enough to be be loved by the Palace fans. So he's lucky, yeah. he's lucky for me. But yeah, certain players can go into their show and be like that. Like, oh, obviously, one or two you can always hear. One and two had a used to have a goal at me. But obviously, as soon as I scored a goal, scored a goal, being how I'm being and the cheeky person I was back then, I'd run up to them and acknowledge them that yeah, I bet you're cheering now. But yeah. I'm just saying, you know, um, fans are fans. There's always, you're going to have to you can't please everybody, and there's going to be people that don't like you, but. Obviously, yeah, when fans are getting on players back, it, it can affect you. But it just depends what sort of, sort of player you are. It didn't, it didn't really bother me. And to be fair to me, to me, to the Palace fans, they were brilliant to me. And they still are brilliant. Even when I go back, they're, they're all brilliant. And even on my Twitter, they're all brilliant as well. So I've got yeah. no complaints with them. They're probably the best. That, that is my club, basically. Like, that yeah. is my club. They brought, they gave me... If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I would be. To be fair, they gave me that opportunity to go and play on them. And stages in that, so I wouldn't have had the career that I've had today. So Palace yeah, is my governor. I'll always look out for them. Yeah, that's how well our Palace fans think of you as well. You'll always be one of yeah. us as well, mate. So yeah, exactly. Um, really, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Really good to it. Now, um, okay, last little bit for you before we can go back all to right. the game. <laughs> it's all right. Um, it's half time. You're right. <laughs> um, so obviously we're we're going into the last eight games of the season. So, and obviously the question is, you know, can we do it? And and what do you think are the important things to do this time of the season? How you know how to how do you keep your head in the under this sort of pressure? Well, to be fair, they've got a manager that's been there and seen it and done it. So I think he's the man who can probably even if there's a bit of nerves throughout any of the players there. But they've got enough experienced lads in that team who played on the big stages and the uh, international players. You just gotta keep it together, obviously don't don't worry about anything else that's going on outside the club. Just worry within your four walls four walls of the club. 
yeah. and, and the team and at the training ground and you just take it from there and listen to your manager he's experienced and he's been there and done it and nearly done everything so it can get difficult it can get nervy obviously fans will be nervous with three or four to go if Palace are still in that same position but even if Palace finish fourth from bottom and they miss out and they do it from goal difference it's still a big achievement to stay in that division yeah. like with the budget that Palace won because all Cardiff and all the others have got bet, bet, better budgets but that's what I said the Palace team and, and the manager did well with the signings that they brought in January with people like Scott Dan Ince and stuff like that I think they, they're important players that they've brought in and, and, and Joe Ledley I think they've helped the team and, and they've helped the squad so I think they'll do it and well, I'm praying they do it and I hope they do do it mm. Well, that's brilliant, mate. All right. Well, listen, we'll All let right. you go. Really do no appreciate problem. your time today. And obviously, we'll be, we'll be back in touch to get you a role on the. Yeah, on the yeah. Team. No, anytime you want. No problem. I'll do anything. <laughs> Top man. All right. Cheers, mate. Look after yourself. All right. Take, take care. care. Cheers, take you. Bye, bye, bye. Oh, the legendary Clinton Morrison there. Uh, yeah. Just. Just, yeah, all right, I'm going to stop myself, because last time I went way too far with how much I love Clinton, <laughs> and I'm just going just gonna to stop myself there, but I um, hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. All right, well, literally not much more to do. Uh, we've got the, the, the last little bit of the show. We'll be speaking to Johnny Williams. Oh, wow. You know, what a show, eh? What a show. Well, these people missing it by watching football on the telly. It's terrible. Um, and obviously, yeah, then then we'll say a few little bits and pieces just to let you go at the end. But um, I think we might as well go there now. Let's let's talk to Johnny Williams. Get involved with the show. Email radio at homestale.net or call us on 0208 123 Homestale Radio. Voices for Palace Watch. Faces for Crime Watch. Okay, we're here with Johnny Williams, a quick Q&A. Uh, thanks for joining us, Johnny, obviously. Um, Hello, guys. All right. And uh, obviously, first thing first, you're, you're currently out on loan at uh, Ipswich Town, so we'll start there. Um, you've been getting great reviews in your performances and had the pleasure of a win against Brighton yesterday. Take it you're enjoying yourself there. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been really enjoyable so far. Um, I've enjoyed the experience um, the, first, the first couple of days and first first week maybe was hard it was like being at school for the first time again learning yeah. everyone's names and just kind of being out of your comfort zone i've been at palace for so long where i've known everyone for years and um it's, it's been different but um i've been i've enjoyed the experience and that the lads that have switched to be fair have been great and the staff have been great with me so that helps a lot with um blending into the team so it's, it's been a good experience so far Good. Uh, Tony Pulis has made it clear that your future is at Palace and that the move is sort of all about getting some game time. How have you found working with Tony since he came in? Yeah, he's been he's been really good with me. He's um he's um he's given me opportunities that I had at the start. Um not not as a starter but coming off the bench and that's that's a dream to be playing in the premiership whether that's coming off the bench or being an unused sub, just being involved in a match day squad in the in the Premiership is something that I never thought I'd achieve. So to experience that under him as well was a was a good achievement for me. And um, it was a shame because I found I found myself um, out of the match day squad, and that, that was it was tough to take to be fair. Cause, um, it's something that I've never experienced um, so far at Palace. So um, he spoke to me and the reasons why, and as people come back from injury as well at the time. Um, and he expressed that that would be good for me to go on loan and get some game time and I agreed and thought yeah you know why not kind of thing it's something that I haven't had a run of games for 
three years with us due to injury or other other things. It's it's just been um it's been tough, but to be playing is the main thing, and I'm enjoying playing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you, you did sort of speak in the press initially when the, the story came out you might be going on loan that wasn't necessarily something you'd actually thought about, but, I mean, you, you mentioned that, does that experience of actually playing for a, a different club and, like you said, taking you out of that comfort zone, do you think that could be a, a pretty an important step in your career? Well, yeah, I think um, it's, it happened quite quickly, to be fair. I didn't have much time to think about it, and then when I first went into the changing room, so on the first day, and I travelled up on, I think it was Thursday morning, and put on the Ipswich kit. It was um, it was different, and it, that that's when it really started to hit me. Not not really on the way up to Ipswich, but when I put on someone else's kit, and it was like, okay, um, <laughs> this is the life of a footballer, you know. I think yeah. it's very it's very rare you play for one club for your whole life. But I'm, I'm still Palace there. I'm only on loan there, but still, I'm sitting on another jersey for the first time. But um, it could have been worse. I could have been putting on a <laughs> arrival with Jersey, but no, that wasn't to be. I wasn't yeah. a fan of that, to be honest. <laughs> no, um, I, yeah, I'd say it was quite strange for for ourselves seeing you in another kit as well. But I mean, it, it was nice that it was a club like Ipswich, like you say. I mean, you know, they're, they're a decent club, and, and Mick McCarthy's a lovely guy as well, a really good manager. So, yeah, uh, yeah, the the manager's been great. He spoke to me before the loan move, and um, what his plans were, and what he thought of me as a player. And I really took to that, and that was one of the main reasons that I went to Ipswich, as well as it being a great club, and what some of the other lads at Palace said about Ipswich, mm. like Wrighty, uh, Price, De Demo, um, Garth, civil experienced it, so they told me what kind of club it is, and they weren't wrong, because it's, it's been a good experience, and it's actually not too far away. It's, yeah. it's far enough, but it's <laughs> not too far away, it's only a two-hour two hour journey. Yeah, and when Pulis came to the club, it was at a time where you were coming back from an injury, you know, that you got when you were playing for Wales. So, do you feel that you would have had a, a better chance of getting regular Premier League game time if if that hadn't been the case? So that, yeah, uh, you got injured uh, when Pulis came in playing for Wales. Do you think that if you hadn't no. had that injury, uh, that you would have had a better chance of, of getting regular Premier League time? Um, yeah, it's a guessing game, really. Who knows? I think I, I definitely probably would have felt sharper and more ready to be playing because I might have played a few more games before Pulis came in mm. so I probably would have been in a better position because he would have been able to see me play a bit more and hopefully people would have known a bit more about me and hopefully I, was, I would have been doing well if I was fit um, but who knows I think um, the injury really has just sucked to the season but I was happy to come back quicker than I thought yeah. and get that playing, whether that was training or coming on in the games, it was just a, a good experience. Um, but I think it's the right thing to do, especially as I was out of the squad and only playing in reserve games at Palace, which which was nice because I've grown up with a few of them boys in the under-21s. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that experience as well, and um, it was good to get game time if I wasn't going to get it in the first team, and it set me up to come to Ipswich and perform like how I have and hopefully keep that going. Mm. Um, on that, a, lo a lot of people suggesting you did a slightly cheeky celebration to the Brighton fans yesterday. Any, any comment on that at all? Oh, no, yeah, I think it got a bit um, disrupted in the way. I think there was put out that people thought that I pulled my shorts down, but mm. it wasn't the case. It was actually, um, I got up on the advertising board and someone, I think it was Creswell, I decided to pull my shorts down and <laughs> I was very quick to pull them up to be fair. Um, but luckily enough I had my undershorts and 
yeah. on to it. It wasn't too bad, but I was very quick to get him up. But no, no, I didn't. I didn't pull him down. Yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, it's always the way. It? It's like people take a picture at the wrong moment, and then yeah, yeah, it looks bad. Yeah, I know, I know. I think he got taken in. I still, I take it you more, still, yeah. still enjoyed beating them though, as uh, as Palace's rivals. Uh, yeah, it was huge. To be fair, it was the whole thing about the Palace Brighton rivalry. The, the treatment I got during the game, before mm. the game, the booze, the, the Palace reject chants. Oh really? The, oh, the dog it. abuse. Um, you could all hear it, and it was uh, it was expected. To be fair, just the yeah. previous games results and the semi-final, of course. Um, yeah. But it's turned out to be a lucky ground for me because I've won yeah. three out of the four times I've been there, and um, to, it was, yeah, it was just a good way to respond to all the yeah. the booze and the. The criticism they're giving me during the game, so it's a bit, yeah, it's nice. Goal disallowed as well. It could have been uh, even better. Did you? Were you offside for that one? Or uh, at the time, I thought I was. I wasn't sure at all. I didn't um, speak to the ref about it, asking whether it was onside or offside. I kind of just accepted it and jogged back. So I was. I really wasn't sure at the time. But at, at half time, um, the Ipswich analysis told me it was onside. So <laughs> it was, oh, I was gutted oh. to be fair when I saw that. Um, that's a real. So that would have been that would have been great, especially with um, something that I'd have liked to improve in my game, which is goals, and to have yeah. one chalked off against Brighton at the stadium. Um, it's a real shame, but to set up the second was equally important and gave us a little lift in the game and gave us that little bit of leverage that we needed to carry out to the end of the game. So. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, and in a general sense, what have you made of, of the quality of the Premier League now that you've experienced it? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's huge when you go and play the the top ten, if you want to call it. Um, I think everything's everything's greater. I think they're quicker, they're stronger, they're better on the ball, they're more tactically aware. I think in some cases you do get more time, but in some cases teams play and they don't give you a breather. Um, and they press press the life out of you. So um, I think I think it's a big difference. But as I say, I think it's the difference between the top championship teams and the lower Premiership teams is, is not is not huge. And that showed when we played Wigan in the um, in the FA Cup. I thought yeah. Wigan a good side, and it's um, it's a fine line as we saw last year with with Watford in the playoff final between getting in the championship and in the Premiership, but as I say, yeah, it's been delighted to play in the Premiership with Palace this season. It's just a shame I haven't had as many opportunities as I was like, whether I starting to show what I can do, but um, hopefully that will come. Sometime. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm sure you get plenty more chances uh, to play in the Premier League, and hopefully with Palace, that's what we all want yeah. as well. Um, yeah. teams, team spirit was a huge factor in promotion at Palace, I think it's fair to say. Do you think that that the team now have, have recovered that spirit after what happened earlier in the season and, and the sort of confusion and disarray that happened early doors. Yeah, I think um, it, yeah, it was yeah, it was a bit. Um, I think everything wasn't really set in stone. It was all a bit up in the air. Uh, results weren't really going our way, mm. um, and it just wasn't happening for one reason or another. And I think it was a shame because Holloway was fantastic in getting us to the Premiership. Yeah. Um, and he's a great, great guy and really helped me as a player with self-belief and confidence just in myself. Um, a great man-manager as well as a, 
like a manager as well. So um, yeah. I think it's a shame, but I think Judas came in and really, really got us going. He got us, got us, got us going as a team again, and it all just seemed to click. And the results showed for that. Um, but I'm just fingers crossed that we can get a few more results. Yeah. And if you stay in the league, it's just, it's just vital. Yeah. Well, that leads nicely on to our final question, mate. It's the one on everyone's lips, really. Uh, are you still confident that we will stay up? Um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be it's going to go to the wire. I think, but I'm I'm confident that we'll be able to do it. I think we've shown enough against teams that have been doing well that we can we can, we can compete because a lot of teams are right enough. Of, you're going to come twentieth, twentieth this, twentieth that. Yeah. You're bottom of the league and. Uh, Pius has really turned it around in that in that sense, and I've been allowed to back that and performed as well. So I'm hoping with the last remaining games, the fans are going to be unbelievable, probably the best in the league what I've seen this year. Um, so I'm hoping that I'll just be our 12th man and push it over the line. Mm, exactly. Thank you so much for joining us, Johnny. And obviously, best of luck with with what's going on at Ipswich. But we really hope to see you back soon, mate. No Hello, welcome back. I uh, hope you really enjoyed that uh, Johnny Esther interview. Um, such a lovely lad as well, isn't he? And um, I'm sure I'll be back in a Palace shirt. Hopefully in the Premier League playing for us again soon. But uh, certainly uh, created a massive impression um, up there at Ipswich. Uh, they really, really love him up there already. And who can blame them? We know how good he is. So, I mean, really not much left to do. What I want to quickly do, um, so thank you to everyone who's got in contact today. Really appreciate it. And um, to give you a flavour of um, back at that, that Newcastle game, I just want to take a couple of the uh, forward reviews that we got that show the general sort of feeling directly after the game. And um, I mean, Callum Hutchinson went with the uh, unluckiest team in league, which is, does feel like that at times. Uh, Jason Rock with feeling robbed right now, and um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then it sort of moves on from the the unlucky sort of side of things. Um, there's an awful lot that I can't read out because they're just meant just swear words, which is exactly what I was thinking at the time. But if you take things like uh, Richard Sherman says, playing Wolves next season, um, Justin Granger says, need goals, goals, goals. And, uh, and and Chris Wright goes with must take our chances, which I like. I say I think that covers it all quite nicely, really, um, in the old gamut of emotions after losing a game in the last minute. But I directed to, to the comments from Steve Brown earlier on, and he, he's right in the sense that you know we were in that game, and it, had we had we held on for that draw in the ninety, you know, without conceding a ninety third minute goal, then I think we'd all be a damn sight happier as well, and, and probably would have said we deserved it. So. It's not all doom and gloom. We do have Chelsea next, which is uh, obviously going to be a difficult game. But, um, you know, beyond that, that's not the game that will define our season. And as, as one of our contributors early, earlier said, there's, um, you know, our, our running. Well, our running, I'll give you our full running. It's, it's, it's Chelsea at home, Cardiff away, Villa at home, Everton away, West Ham away, Man City at Liverpool at home. And Fulham away last eight game of the season. As Doc Brown said during our interview, we all, we all knew when we saw it. Fulham will probably be the game that defines our season. Um, I did didn't like the fact that he <laughs> mentioned Charlton because uh, obviously it didn't the, that Charlton game didn't have a particularly happy ending for our time in the Premier League. But there we go. 
So a few last little reminders. Obviously, we're back tomorrow. Um, to if you well, basically, we're doing live commentary from Tooting of Palace versus Charlton in the under twenty one game. Say under twenty one. Obviously, it's the um, you know the overage players in that as well. It's effectively our reserve squad. Um, I think it was something along the lines of they have to win all their remaining games to potentially play any more games after the next three. So we'll be going all out to win that. And if you see if you can't join up, if you if you're at work or or at school, <laughs> you could secretly listen to us on your mobile phone. If you get um, go to TuneIn Radio app on your phone search for homesdale radio and you can listen listen to us live I'll say kickoffs at 1 p.m but we'll be on from about 12 45 on homes on whole radio.net and uh, yeah that'd be great and then the week afterwards it's me ben alex and albert who will return um so thank you for this uh, did we mm, oh i'm gonna stop myself i was about to ask the producer a question on air it doesn't really work i'm gonna end the show it's been ages bye I'm certainly going to back any man that is taking over, if I like them or not. That man is so easy. It's going so deep. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.